Welcome, ladies and gents. I'm Deeg here today chatting with Jebro. How's it going, Jebro? I'm okay, my friend. How are you? I'm doing fine, Jebro. Um, awesome. No, I've been a longtime Guild Wars 2 fan and player, and you're, you're, to me, your face is associated with Guild Wars 2 esports. Oh, God. <laughs> Absolutely. No, man, like, to That's me, a good thing. you are totally one of the faces. I mean, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Let's, let's get into it. So, <laughs> but maybe what I could do is we can ease into this a little bit. I can go a little easy on you. Um, okay. So I looked at you, up your YouTube channel. I was getting ready for this interview, and I saw that you started off by actually doing some VODs of, your, of, you, of you raiding in Rift, and then yeah. eventually Guild Wars 2, some World versus World, and then some of the tournaments. Mm -hmm. So maybe what we can start with is sort of um, how you came into Rift and how that progressed into YouTube, and then Guild Wars 2 in casting. Cool. That is a story. People have probably heard this before, I don't know. Um, but uh, in terms of what the way things started off, I really liked MMORPGs from a young age. I, I was playing, and this kind of goes into Rift. Um, mm -hmm. I started with, like, uh, it was odd, like Planetside back in the day. Um, you played Planetside? Planetside? Yeah, it was my big like, MMO. It was my massively online, like, PvP game. That was Bro! I had like, I, I, like, like, I had a huge amount of time in Planetside. Okay, what faction did you play? Yeah, I played on the. I was the purple guy. Yes, the, as the v, the V. Vanu sovereignty. Vanu sovereignty. Yeah, my man. Yeah, I was okay. pretty, I was um. I was mostly. I was mostly like dropping in. Yeah, uh, and running into those towers. I like the small objectives and like running up and get trying to get the control point and you know firing in those stairwells and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Humping those those those, those stairwells and hot dropping yes, in from mosquitoes and stuff, lashering yeah, it up, right. bro. Yeah, good times. It was, it was good. Yeah, you surprised exactly. me with that one, man. <laughs> Beautiful game. Beautiful it really game. was. And it was amazing. Um, and then World of Warcraft sure. dug its heels in when on release. It was just it was just the end of university as well, so it was not uh -huh. a good time. Ah, yes, <laughs> I understand this. Yes, um, but there was loads of personal stuff that went on around that time as well. Um, okay. And then I got into like Warhammer Online, uh, and then I got into I O O R V R like Open R V R Realm versus Realm. Okay, so like large scale PvP, similar to World v World. Yeah, exactly. Um, and a little tiny bit of Dark Age on, of Camelot, and mm -hmm. um, but mostly Warhammer Online. And then as that started to get wrecked by EA um, <laughs> back in like 2009, 10 or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, I shifted over to Rift and Star Wars: The Old Republic before so Guild Wars Two. Okay, um, but Rift was a big big game i mean we had a community called unity and that was our guild and oh, okay. we went from warhammer online yeah that's, that's where unity comes name. from okay okay exactly tell me a little uh, bit about rift i never played it i don't know much about it was it like wow is it very different from wow how would you compare it probably one of the best mmorpgs that have ever come out oh, in my opinion okay. Okay. um stunning game it was very trial and very small when they came out of rift um they weren't trying to like you know, reinvent the wheel, but their classes were very unique mm. in terms of having three different trees and being able to spec into these different trees mm -hmm. um, and kind of go the way you want to go and not really having had they had kind of meta builds, but no one really, they just kind of everyone's played well. That much A bit more play, sandboxy. Basically. 
A little bit in that respect. And they had like the the goodies and the baddies and or you could flip it either way because one team was uh, one side faction was definitely more religious than the other and the other faction was like technology like okay. based okay um it's kind of like a horde alliance split that kind of idea a bit yeah yeah, yeah. um but the pvp was great um raiding was some people said you know easily competed with wow raiding if yeah. not if not better just because of the actual um, mechanics in raids as well okay. they were absolutely phenomenal Huh. Um, and they use the same PQ, like public quest system as Warhammer Online and Guild Wars 2 evolved a lot of their content from what Rift was. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Live events in maps like Rifts were the main thing. So you'd come right. towards this Rift that basically spawned. I don't know if you played New World, right? Yes. Um, New World Rifts are literally Rifts from Rift. Hey, <laughs> They're literally can't the same thing. That's it, exactly. But the rift wasn't a portal in the middle. It was a big rift that came out. Um, and uh, they used to have raids in the open world. So they Ooh. have the raid rifts, which were raid difficulty um, bosses, and they would have different stages of these bosses. And it was, it was like strikes, but in the out in the open, but very difficult. Um, Are they like, comparable to like Guild Wars world bosses or something very different from that? No, it was, it was an actual... Like you had to have a composition and everything else to like defeat these things. Like okay. it was like a proper encounter. Like if someone who from the outside world ran into this thing, it, they just died. <laughs> they just got uh, absolutely annihilated. Okay. 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 Um, but other people could do that. They could walk by or people could watch, you know, it was, uh-huh. it was pretty, it was a pretty special game actually. I miss it. And then, and then Tryon went, went down the, up the Creek with uh defiance, which was, um, an FPS game, but it was like basically it had the TV show on Sci-Fi Network, and oh. it was meant to have yeah, they meant to have this thing where basically I think it was either the game affected the show or the show affected the game or something. It didn't quite work. Oof. Boy, it's like a decade too too early for that idea. Yeah. Oh, it was way <laughs> ahead of its time, um, and still probably even if it was today. But they had a couple of they tr- then they went a bit pay to win on Rift and went down the up the creek and then they sold it to like game ago or someone like that and it still runs in the background somewhere oh, yeah i those... think they sold it for 20k or something in the end twenty thousand dollars or something yeah you know there's a uh another popular youtuber named josh strife Hayes. he does this this worst yeah. mmo ever series most people have heard of this guy and i think yeah. i actually caught his um episode he did on rift and you know it, it's coming it's looking at a game that was released in 2011 through 2021 eyes. So you kind of got to imagine a little bit what it would have been like to play back then. But one of the main points he, he made is how, is it Gamago? G- Gamago? How do you mm-hmm. pronounce it? I think it's Gamago or Game Gal or something like that. And I wasn't yeah. familiar with these with, with that publisher than before, but it seems like they have this reputation for just um, kind of ruining worlds with... Um, you know, uh, microtransactions. Hmm. I think I think what they do is is that they basically find games that were probably on their way out and dying, and there's oh. some popularity there, and they come along and they squeeze and they buy it for cheap. And like I said, you know, they sold Rift or Tryon or whatever the combination was for twenty twenty five thousand dollars, something like that, which is ridiculous. Oh, if that's you a think scandal. About it. Oh my yeah, god, it's horrible. Um, <laughs> That with the amount of money they made, like Rift literally launched Tryon. I mean, everyone had heard of Tryon, like by like I don't know, 
maybe even still now. I mean, today, probably not so much now, but, you know, mm. back then, like, Tryon were, like, a big fort. Like, was starting to become pretty damn big, releasing, like, multiple games under their belts, and they just they just messed up, and they got a bit greedy, fortunately. So is the reason that Rift declined because of things that were done by Tryon, or...? It was the MMO market changing from um, sub base to play for free. I got like Guild Wars two or right. pay to pay to right. pay to play and whatnot. And I'm not. Sh- they released this um, free to play version, and then they had a cash shop which was very questionable. Like you could buy raid standard gear, mm. um, and yeah, that wasn't. Yeah, got to be careful with that. Be good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> But it, it sounds it like it, it, it occupied uh, a comfortable niche, and, but, then, but then eventually Absolutely. over time, it just kind of went down the tubes and didn't keep up with the times, we could say. Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much, yeah. And, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's too many um, MMOs out there, man. Like, it's just, I, I like to ask people who have put in the time on them, like, what those experiences were like, like, what, what the game meant to them and people who played it, because number yeah. one, there's not enough time in the day, and number two, stuff goes mm-hmm. away. And honestly, um, like the experience of someone who plays a game like that when it's kind of in its prime is is different than someone who plays it mm. when it's past or something like that. I think about like especially um, because I I was one of the people who's lucky enough to play World of Warcraft like during the beta and right when it came out for those first few years uh, yeah. before expansions, and that was a magical oh, time nice. because we were all clueless. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and. <laughs> We were all overmatched by the by the world of, of that game because we didn't have uh, social media tools. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what to expect. Like no one, I, I remember um, in that game playing a. Um, I played a flex warrior in raids, so I loved I loved that role because I because it had a lot of variety to it. Warriors yeah. were were of course the de facto tanks of of, the, of World of Warcraft back in the day, and. Mm. Um, but we also, um, but because not every encounter needed the same amount of tanks, there would be warriors who were carted along from boss to boss to boss, and you would get to DPS to do damage in between bosses where you didn't have to tank, so you were an off tank. And I thought that was very fun. But um, no one at that time understood, at least very few understood at that time, that warriors were actually far and away the best damage class in the game, because there's this kind of there's this kind of community story about warriors or tanks. Like that's yeah. what they're for. They're not, and um, but now um, you take the same game and you expose it to modern gamers with more sophisticated yeah. tools and connectivity, and you know everyone knows the best ways to play, and it all kind of falls apart because when you push that system to its absolute limits, it kind of um, anyway, little little rant there about. Uh, but more the reason I wanted to call no, that out is, was mainly to kind of I explain why I'm asking for your experience from rift because i know that there's yeah. not talking to you about it is going to tell me something about it that i'm not going to learn from looking up information about it or hearing from someone who i don't know very well you know i mean it, it, yeah exactly i mean what it was with the switch to what from warhammer which was mainly pvp to, to rift was the mix between pve and pvp as well and mm-hmm. to be honest my playing with my brother actually a lot um yeah. me, me and my brother played that game um, and we are quite similar. He's only two years younger than me, but um, and even though we had a lot of the same interests, we we butted heads growing up very much. So um, probably too. <laughs> yeah, uh, and actually we bonded pretty hard over that game as well. 
Um, and I made a lot of friends, and, and I would honestly say that in World of Warcraft probably saved my life, in all honesty. Wow. When I was young. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I, when I was young, I, I went through a lot of depression. Um, okay. Yeah, so it was a very tough time, and online gaming and people, and meeting people that way was a mm -hmm. big, was basically my saviour. I don't know. I, I think I, I yeah. Stuff anything could have happened, I guess, I suppose. But like it, there was some other yeah. stuff which helped as well. But like I took a path and the path was, you know, where I am now. And mm -hmm. can I ask you a little, a little bit about that experience? Would that be okay? Yeah, sure, that's fine. Okay. Um absolutely. Um yeah. I don't know how deep and meaningful <laughs> deep and you want to get on these streams, but um well, I mean we'll yeah, we'll we'll, we'll go as deep as you know, as deep as as, as we got our waiters on, I guess. I mm. um but you let's let's think of um turning to games um a, turning away from something that's very difficult to gain to something that i think a lot of people who can can relate to i know i certainly can like i went through my own bouts of diagnosed depression and spent that time playing video games things like that it's yeah. um for me uh looking back on it I, I kind of see a lot of those experiences kind of like a gaming was kind of like a methadone for me like it was a a safe drug in a way i mean yeah, it, it, has, yeah, it has its own dangers as we all as we all can you know elaborate on mm. but what but from for some people it can be a very very safe by comparison to the alternative uh one person who i interviewed last year is a wow classic creator um named um um def camp and him and his brother whose name is melderon okay. um they make content together for WoW Classic. They run a guild together. And he struggled with drug abuse when he was mm. growing up. Yeah. And he hit rock bottom in a big way. He was very lucky to have his family and his brother and his mother all there for him. But one of the mm. main things that he, that he turned to to help him kind of reintegrate into life without turning to drugs was gaming. Yeah. And that yeah. kind of ended up being like a, something that was kind of healthy. He could, he could hang on to. Um, you know, interact with, with other people who are also sober, which is a big part of that lifestyle. Yeah, oh God, yeah. So, um, I mean, w without trying to run away with the conversation, I just want to, like, lay a foundation of, like, this is a, this is something that I think is pretty important to talk about and a lot of people can relate to. But what, what was your experience like? Um, was the, 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 the depression and the gaming come side by side, or was, did one start before the other? Like, what was your... What's your story? Um, I go into much of my family history um, and obviously keeping, you know, that kind of stuff a little bit. Of course. Of course. Um, like I, I, my family suffered with depression. Everyone, basically. Sure. Um, mom, dad, yeah, sister, brother. And um, as I was growing up, I don't think I knew what it was up until I was in university and I was doing, I was drinking a lot. Mm. Um, I was probably doing too many drugs. Uh, and um i came to a place where i was almost leaving university i think my grandfather had passed away and my girlfriend at the time who was probably the probably the first love of my life had, had broken up with me and that's when it first started to Ooh. kind of tumble down the losses in a row and then yeah. um and the school kind of ending and then moving through adolescence into a period adolescence is a very tough period of time anyway let alone with all the loss and everything else that could go with it and yeah. you know previous depression maybe so then um i'm a lot, uni dude. and it kind of 
just gets worse. Yeah, I mean, I was I was in a band. I was having a great time at uni, but underneath, you know, I was kind of covering this yeah. this dark side of me that was just kind of festering, and the drink and the drugs was covering up. And I had an amazing time, and I I'd learned a lot about myself and everything else. And it was good times, but under, mm. underneath all of that, that didn't get touched. Um, so yeah, then it then it yeah it came out, and but the gaming was always a big thing, like Planet Side and World Warcraft and um other bits and pieces i remember playing alien versus predator back in the day original game and um i remember actually uh, there was a single player game it's it's big now far cry first game hmm. i remember i moved back to uni to finish my dissertation which i never did um and moving in with people i barely knew and just playing like far cry every day the first one because i didn't know anyone there and it wasn't online or anything but it was a very, very tough time in my life. But then I found a bit more World of Warcraft again and um, had counselling and uh, some medication and didn't do the thing I, I almost did. And okay. basically suicide. Um, just to like clarify that, just okay. in case anyone doesn't really know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, um, I think I, I understood what you yeah. meant, but it's, it's, mm -hmm. good, it's good to say the word. Um, yeah. yeah. How, how did... Uh, what what you had said before was that World of Warcraft might have saved your life. How what 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 was that like? What was the saving? How did that work? I think it was just adventuring in a in and it was and maybe I found gaming because of um, because of like I was missing like I felt very alone maybe. But as a kid, I felt like very independent and stuff like growing up. Like I felt like yeah. I was very much on my own. So games were a good way of soothing me, um, uh -huh. like self soothing, I suppose. And then. They became the same thing, but then meeting people as well. Like I never had problem meeting people and talking mm. to people. It's not really been an issue I've ever had. The anxiety of leading up to it is the is the problem I have still. Mm. Um, but yeah. uh, in, it's mostly in person um, and like going outside and going to jobs and stuff like that. I, I get a massive amount of anxiety still, but I, was, I will always do the things. But that's a later conversation. Um, but I think it did. I, it, it could have been anything at the time. And I don't remember who I was speaking to or, you know, specifically, but I just remember interacting with people in some kind of way online in adventures. And like, I feel like Planet Side helped me out even more, maybe, mm -hmm. uh, in that because, you know, voice comes and mumbles and team speaks or whatever it yeah. was back then. Yeah. Um, and just talking to random people and just completely escaping my world. For a world which was just completely imaginary but also right. very real because of people yeah um and, that tethered me i guess right and in, in a fantasy world where the the things that you're valued for like can come to the fore much more much more in a much more straightforward <laughs> way you know that's a good way of putting it yeah i mean i, I think that's true like no absolutely uh, it is a good one way of my favorite it. things about gaming growing up was always it's it's so easy to see my efforts pay off Whereas in, in, in mm. kind of the real world, you know, the game of life, the things you do, like everything's a variable outcome and things can take months or years or decades to pay off. And my God, how miserable is that? Like, yeah. it's, it's the ultimate reality. But the cool thing about games is the feedback cycle becomes shorter and uh, the social component of it is something I, I really relate to, too. Like, um, there's something about having things be laid out for you and having an experience that we all agree is kind of made up in a way, but that yeah. emulates the real world in, in, in some ways. Um, 
where um, it just can easily, more easily knock down the barriers that would normally obstruct you from connecting with somebody. Like, you're going to talk to somebody who, you know, let's say, oh, here, here's a good example. Maybe you're, uh, you're buying conjured mage food in a city in, a game, in, in World of Warcraft or something like that, you yeah. know? Very common mage service. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're 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 a lot more likely to say hello and you know thank him for whatever or um or maybe you see the same person day in day out. You can compare that to like seeing someone in the real world who's like a, like like a grocery store um working behind a counter at a, at a grocery store and uh, that experience can feel fraught with anxiety in a way that asking someone for mage food may not. Um, uh, something like that. But anyway. I'm just raiding you on Twitch. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Appreciate <laughs> I just that. realized I hadn't hosted you yet on Twitch. Oh, yeah, that's probably I was a just good like, thing. I should probably do that. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like there's loads of, there's maybe a couple of people in there, and I, that's what I do, right? I oh. do Twitch. Yeah, I, I completely understand. It, it's just like those little um, interactions. Apologies if I seemed a little bit distracted just then. Um, that's okay. It's. It's just it's just a funny world, you know. I mean, socially being interactive with people, and I think the last um, couple of years, well, I think ever since I got to America, you know, I, I I hate to wonder where I would be now without the community I have and without the friends who I have who who are even here now. Right. right. Um, How long ago did you move over? Ooh, twenty sixteen Christmas. Okay. Yeah. So almost five years. To get married. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Opening close. Yeah. Cool. Um, get married. Nice. Didn't work out. <laughs> Not so nice. <laughs> Not so nice. Um, now I'm on my second year of just finished my second year of uh, graduate school. Hmm. Um, to be a mental health counselor, and I'm now going into literally going to be a mental health counselor in America, supporting kids and adolescents and people probably my age from when I was depressed you know so that is some full circle shit right there there is some full circle shit exactly definitely i love that yeah i love that mm -hmm. so um okay uh so yeah world of warcraft an experience a lot of people use to help deal with depression anxiety things like that um very cool that that to hear that your life has transpired in a way that you've gone from feeling that way feeling depressed to dealing with it to now helping others deal with it. Um, yeah. I really want to pivot to that topic because I find that very interesting. Um, and then sure. we can come, go back to the gaming stuff if that's okay with you yeah. and everyone else. Um, it's your show, my friend. Do what you want. <laughs> I have all the power. So um, I'm very glad about that. <laughs> it's, I do not. Yeah, so you have your own podcast. You have your own stream. Does it feel good to be uh, in the passenger okay, seat? <laughs> Yeah, oh god <laughs> i have brain from from doing all i do stream wise and school and everything else it's nice to not have not like be able to relinquish some control because word well just is. i'm enjoying it too we'll all have a great time <laughs> good stuff i'm glad yeah man i relish it and uh you know a, a couple of things that you're saying like Oh boy, there are so many tangents that are cropping up in my mind. I'm I'm make, trying to make sure I pick the best one. Uh, let Let's go back to the mental health. Don't have to. Uh, well, I mean, talk about so, what you want. Yeah, the thing is, all the things I want to talk about, I can't talk about at the same time. So the mm. one I'm going to pick, I think, right now is 
mental health. Um, sure. When when did you decide to pursue counseling for mental health? Funny one, really. Um, I think so. I just so when I was younger, I did a lot of traveling as well, and this is why I what I did after uni, I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do anymore. I tried to work in the media world. I was a sound man. So what I did at university was video yeah. production, which is camera work, editing, uh, mm-hmm. lighting, video, everything, all of that kind of stuff. And I went and worked as, on some short films. I did a little bit of work at the BBC, some very cool. interesting um, work in a, uh, I would say, pornography um, <laughs> uh, studio um <laughs> doing some bits and bobs for them at times. Uh, it's not really a story I've mentioned much uh, elsewhere, but it's a very, very, very brief part of my life. Please um, do tell. Any, any kind of work experience is work experience in the media industry, my friend. You True. just get paid nothing. Uh, and lucky if you're lucky, like transport. Mm. Um, but my friends used to drive around... Um, porn stars that they used to... When they used to work for this... I think... I can't remember what studio was but the studio and this is pretty disgusting but i guess this is pretty awful to be honest was actually above disney studios in london <laughs> it was literally it's one floor up it's something poetic above. about that it was very very dodgy um <laughs> and i have had a life my friend i i don't know how this shit happens to me i really don't <laughs> um and i traveled the world and i i met a girl and she was in australia and i moved to australia seeing some kind of ban occurring here. Wow. And uh, I lived there for a year. I, I went to Africa. I went to New Zealand and stuff. And, Holy and shit. then I met her in Africa. Yeah, I've, okay. I've been around the world and done a what, lot of stuff. What, what, um, why and, were you traveling? Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, I love it. Um, uh, why, what got you traveling in the first place? My depression. So you were just, you were trying to change things for yourself, trying to see the world, uh, find some meaning, find some purpose, something like that. I think I wanted to see if I could survive. In all honesty, ah, oh. see it. if you could survive. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did how did you test that when you were traveling? <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> I jumped out of airplanes. I swam across the crocodile and hippopotamus-infested swamps. Um, you don't want to know. I no, I do. Walked the tracks, and you know with. Hang on a second. And... Are you an adrenaline <laughs> yeah. junkie, Jebro? Sorry. Are, 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 it sounds like I'm talking to a bit of an adrenaline junkie. I mean, I was back in the day. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I know. Hey, this is the thing, right? Because when when anyone comes into a stream or they look at a stream or they think about what maybe they have done, I think stereotypically a lot of people feel like maybe they don't haven't done much. Mm-hmm in their mm-hmm. lives like they will have maybe never worked or they've never or they've done work and now they're doing this and and they've not really been many places but i've lived a lot by the time i was like you know i would say 30 i've lived i'd lived the life of probably like 10 people <laughs> or like probably even more in terms of getting um, out and doing stuff seeing the world yes and doing stuff seeing the world variety of jobs um you know, different things and, and like, you know, that might be a weird flex or something, but like, you know, it, and it, at the end of the day, I don't feel like any, it matters what you do in life as long as you enjoy it. Like, I mean, you know, you could be the, the gentleman like sweeping the, the pavement 
down the road and you know to many people that might not look like a, a fantastic life if they're maybe happy with their life and what's going on and what they're doing like who the fuck cares at the end of the day it doesn't matter to me it only matters to them um and they could be happy you don't know what's going on with them they could have a family they could be living on their own they could be going out they could be doing all these different things that we just don't know about yeah we have all these presumptions of, of assumptions about people just because of what they do yeah um and I, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, my, my sister, you know, 19, she had a kid, mm. she settled down and that's, you know, she, that's her life and she loves that life. And I totally respect that, you know. Sounds like um, you blasted off the opposite direction. Yeah, no, I, I ran away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I ran away. Or, or I ran too. Um, one of those things, I don't know. But um, what, what were you thinking when you, when you did that? You just wanted to. When I went, when I went traveling? Yeah. What was the thought? What was the the thing you were chasing in your head? Because I mean, people people do that, you know. Um, oh, well, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they do it forever. Like, sometimes I I know that you 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 definitely um, laid out a good argument there for just validating people's experiences are valuable for what they are, not for, I mean for for who they are, not for what those experiences. Were. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. But there completely. is a there is a certain currency in being. Um, like worldly and having gotten out and seen having taken in a large variety of experiences in the world and there are certain things certain truths certain realities that are hard to expose unless you get out there physically to see them and do them and it sounds like you pu really pushed yourself to do a lot of those things at a very young age yeah yeah uh i was i mean i was probably 20 so I, at 24 i kind of went back to my home in london and i worked in a pub <laughs> for about a year um really rough like tottenham hotspur like hooligan pub like you know you know mm. um american footballers have like american football teams have their annual where they the yearly annual where they have pictures of the team and they have stories and stuff like that and, like old magazines and books and stuff i guess okay. like, i don't know what it's called i'm not like, familiar with the tradition but i can imagine it thing oh okay i don't know <laughs> but like basically in england so like with football teams soccer teams you'd have like a team picture and then you'd have like stories about the players and like uh -huh. the year past year and all this kind of stuff um and these guys in my pub they basically had one for their hooliganism <laughs> so they right. had like a for their tribe like an, yeah it was weird it was weird they were okay. awful so you know like i'd be it's probably like um i guess really really heavy like drug usage um alcohol usage uh these people are pretty pretty much like pretty being very stereotypical yeah yeah judgmental scum of the earth basically mm. um i mean if you think about log stock and two smoking barrels walking into a pub in that movie that's the pub i worked in okay all right <laughs> no bullshit um and what was that like scary as fuck actually because <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean well I, it was fine because i was a barman so after a while like they give me shit every day um and then they come to a point where you know they just trust you and they like you mm -hmm. um even though you know back i'm just like these are fucking the worst <laughs> people um okay. but you know okay. you you end up technically almost working for them so you kind of get used to it right um but i remember a, a night sitting behind the bar with a baseball bat holding in my hand just sitting on the floor after a polish um group of people came in and these tottenham hotspur fans i think they just i think they had I had a match with them recently, and I can't remember who won or lost, but they they just kicked off, and there was you know broken pool cues, there was glasses, there was loads of shit everywhere. 
And on the security footage, you just see like my friends like sitting down behind the bar on the phone calling the police. And I'm like almost next to just with a baseball bat. Like if anyone pops over and tries to nick the money, here we go. You know, kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, that was a fun experience. Bro. But that was, that was quite, you know, that happened a couple of times, I guess. But, you know, in L- London's pretty rough where I lived. Well, well, not where I lived specifically, but like where I hung out, huh. um, you know, getting mugged by the time you're 13 it was pretty much you know and every kid's experience you know? okay um but yeah i guess it, it hardened you up pretty quick but yeah it's some real shit dude yeah yeah it was it was pretty, like my parents i grew up in like a nice area but like i think it was beyond our means very much so you know my parents were didn't really have that much money okay. um and <laughs> it was just ridiculous thinking about all the things I've all the things are just popping back into my head. But um in terms I came back from uni, went to, did the pub thing to sorry, I do this a lot. My I've got very much a monkey mind. Um It's okay, man. ADHD right here. I right there with you. <laughs> I mean I I'm not I'm definitely I haven't been diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure I've I'm pretty sure I should be. That's <laughs> something I should have had a long time ago, but I'm in some denial about Counselor, that. Counselor, um, counsel thyself. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I ended up just being like, I need to go away and do something. I need to do something else. Like this uh-huh. media work is just sucking my soul dry. Like it's just like these people are awful. They're not the kind of people I want to be. They're, kind of, they're so superficial and very egotistical. Says this is in streaming. And <laughs> How long have you been doing that, the, the, the audiovisual stuff? At that point. I'd been doing it. Well, at that point, I'd freelance for about a year and a half, maybe, mm-hmm. um, just working on short films and stuff. It okay. was all working for free. Um, and then I did a Why would you do that? America. Work for free? Sorry, dumb question. Sorry? Why would you work for free? I'm, I'm... Um, it's, it's a bit like internship here where you work for uh-huh. free, but in a way, like in the media industry, that's just the way it was to get experience and to get your foot in the door. Yeah, okay. So it's either you're like your dad's uncle or your dad's friend or you know, your cleaner's friend knows someone who once did this thing. You know, it's, it's fairly ridiculous. It's like that over here as well. Yeah, no okay. Um, and I just didn't, I didn't like it. And sure. um, yeah, I just, I ended up going doing this thing called Camp America and uh, working on a kid's camp as a, as an audio visual technician, just set out, setting up projectors and sound systems on a Jewish kid's camp. Okay. It was, um, one of the most random things I'd ever done, and one of the best things I'd ever done. Why's that? What was so good about it? <laughs> the people I met, um, a lot of there were a lot of Israelis who worked on this camp. They were like had literally post um, post position in because you have to go into the army, obviously in Israel, because of obviously everything going on. Everyone goes into the to the army, and right. then they come out or whoever. Um, and there was so they. The Jewish camps, the kids' camps, um, they bring over these people post service and they basically, you know, look after the kids. Like, can they essentially counsel them? Not mental health counseling, but like, you know, you know, American camp stuff, you know, kids in a yeah. thing sleeping doing night, outdoor doing stuff, activities, activities yeah, yeah, yeah. some education. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, but it was very, you know, it was very Jewish. It was, very religious um and i wasn't really a religious person at all let alone jewish (laughs) um but i learned a lot um and also it was just the family very family centric part of what 
this camp meant to many people. They would grow up, they would go there when they were four or five and they'd be like adults and then they'd continue and they'd work there. So they'd been essentially there for like 15, 20 years sometimes. Okay. Okay. Um, and it was, it was kind of beautiful in that way, but I met so many people. And funnily enough, the guy I worked with got me a job as an audio visual technician in a college. And then from there, it was just like the people I met, it just, it's always been like that way in my life. Like whoever I meet or talk to, because these opportunities just yeah. open up Doors open. and I take them. Mm-hmm. I take them every time because I don't, I risk a lot. I risk, I, I essentially take a lot of risks, um, which you kind of picked up on earlier. Such as being on my show. That one. <laughs> And also just the, the, you know, going out and doing jumping out of airplanes and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. But that's a different risk. Yeah. So it, 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 it sounds like you're, you're pretty, um, let's say, risk tolerant then. Is that, has that, that changed for now, you over so. time? Or is it still part of your personality, you think? I mean, I'm still doing it right now. All right. Just by being in America still, I think. Okay. Okay. And doing what I'm doing. Um, I could have... Like after my divorce, I could have just gone back to England, you know, and and just mm-hmm. probably been a probably been a counselor after a short amount of time, and life probably would have been easier. But um, that would have been the easy way out for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle is definitely a very different place. Probably more my bag, I guess, is the word I'll choose to I use. I imagine quite a bit safer, if nothing else. Um, I really don't know because I actually got. I actually got robbed by gunpoint like, about a year and a half into being here. So really? I'm not sure if that was, yeah, yeah, right by my house. <laughs> Shit, man. Okay. Yeah, well, that was my first experience with a gun. <laughs> that, that sounds uh, harrowing. It was, yeah, it was pretty, pretty nasty. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, if which it sounds these... now by now that like, oh, I am lying about any of this <laughs> or I'm exaggerating, it may sound like it. But this stuff has all happened to me. You know, like, I it's think... it's not great. Sometimes. See, here's, here's, here's why this sounds very real to me, Jebro, is because it's all coming <laughs> out in bits and pieces. Like, yeah. the, thing, the thing that you learn to distrust, right, especially in media and streaming, is when someone has too well-crafted of a story, right? But this, yeah. is, this is coming out like real stuff does. Um, I, I would like to, though, if, if I can't, if you'll indulge me, kind of connect some of these things up. So... Um, you had this, this great experience at, at this Camp America thing. And then yeah. that opened up an opportunity for you to get a job in audiovisual. And it sounds like yes. getting, getting sick of the audiovisual then is what made you then decide to go travel and experience things. Is that right? The, I, mm, technically, that's where I actually started that career because the audiovisual stuff was more of a... Um, it was less audio and it was more everything, like jack of all trades. Like I learned... I moved from the office in it was in South London, in a place called Putney, uh-huh. um, like Croydon, to a North London. Uh, I won't say the exact area, but like to a small little, um, small little firm, which was like uh, I guess jack of all trades almost. Like we used to build sets. We used to. I was a producer director there by the end of sure. the, I'd, by the time I'd left there. And kind of hands-on production work. Yeah, yeah. And I did, well, actually, I did a lot of hands-on before I got to that stage, but like mm. I was a, very much like a projector. I used to project images onto big screens and work out like the throw distance of how far this light had to be thrown across a room and what the, the size of the screen needed to be or the aperture for the set size. And then build, then I would often go and build the set, felt it, 
construct uh-huh. this thing and then put it up in, say, Berlin, Germany. Or, okay. like, I, I remember driving to Switzerland with a crap load of stuff in a truck with my friend. And, you know, overnight you'd be in Switzerland at, like, 6 a.m. You'd set the show up, you'd take it down, you'd go to sleep there. Morning, you just drive back with all this stuff from Switzerland to England, and you're driving through the Alps with like a ton of kit, and you're back into this big That's truck, fun. and it's just like, yeah, it was that was fun. I remember those trips; it was good. Um, okay. You didn't see the place much, but you know, I've been to Germany. I think, including the ESL Pro League stuff, I must have been to Germany at least thirty times. Uh-huh. <laughs> You've seen um, a lot of stuff, man. You've been a lot of places. Yeah, 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 and. Uh, the world, the world trip was was very, was probably what spawned everything. Really, um, okay. it was. I I went to America because I went to the Camp America thing a second time and rolled a dice basically with wherever I went. Like we went to an airport and I was like, from I know I've got to be in California to go to Fiji on this date, like in two months. Let's go places. So I met some people. We went to Jamaica. There was a flipping tornado there. I can't remember which one it was. It was like, it wasn't Katrina, but it was one before that, I think. Or was it after? Might have been before that. Um, so I couldn't leave there. I know exactly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I remember being stoned off my tits, <laughs> sitting, <laughs> sitting on the balcony of this swimming pool. Just looking outside and there's this flipping wind going off a while and me and my mate just like 10 minutes later literally running and jumping into this swimming pool. Um, oh, and, and just like being like, this is probably the dumbest time <laughs> I ever have. Um, and then my friend dragging us out and uh, going back up to the room. Um, but then I went from there to Philadelphia because I'd, I'd met a girl. That's right from the um, pool. <laughs> ended up in California somehow. And then I went to Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, Western Australia. I went from South Africa, Cape Town, up to Kenya. And then it ended up in Qatar, which is really out there. Yeah. <laughs> and then back to London. And, you know, 11 months from start to finish was, was, where, I, was where I got to. And then so, I moved. Yeah. Uh, I got to imagine this is all like in a big haze. Like, there sounds like there are probably alcohol, drugs involved. Like, this is like a Not major so life. drugs. Okay. Not, just my, mostly alcohol. Yeah. All right. All right. So I'd stopped the drugs after I'd moved away from Munich. My um, okay. People I knew and and stuff had gotten into it, and I it was just not my scene anymore. I was like, I didn't get into it as heavily as them. Um, I hardly at all compared to them, and I'd started to see, you know, what it done to them, and I needed to get out. I was just like, because I could, I knew could see me going that way. Um. Uh, because just because of everything that was going on, there was depression. Like you know, I was like, I could really just get lost in this yeah. easily. Yeah, yeah, man. It sounds like you were trying to really immerse yourself in in just life, whatever adventure, like l- literally real world adventure. Yeah, the um, I guess you could say like kind of going across Tyria, but without with, with somewhat of a plan. I get. I guess I had a one to eighty plan. And in between, I would just go wherever and do whatever I kind of wanted, picking up those, you know, public quests and uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> kind of taking part in event, events and stuff. Like, I remember getting that tattoo in Australia on my birthday, completely pissed off my face. Um, <laughs> and I, there was a plan to get it. I just didn't plan to get it on my birthday. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I, I jumped out of an airplane in New Zealand. Uh, that was awesome. Um, 
and just the many, many different things in, in Africa as well. And I'd met my one of my past girlfriends in that, in Africa, Australian, and she. I went and moved with her. Uh, I went over to Australia to move with her, in with her for a, I think it was about nine, ten months, and I came back to England. Okay. Um, Why did you come then, back to England? It's just too far. Yeah, too far. It was too, It felt very removed. It, Australia is. And, and this is just my own personal opinion. And, and Australia was beautiful, but I felt like I was living in America in another country. That I felt like Australia was kind of Americanized and very in. I felt like it almost took a lot of the bad stuff I didn't like about America because I wasn't, a, you know, I, I still liked America at the time, but it was very, it didn't have its own personality. And that really mm. just did my head in. It was like, it felt like there were very English parts, very Scottish parts in the South um and in the east and then you know the west and western australian felt very australian you know very australian mate and like very much like you know very hot um and all about surfing you know it was very much it was very odd to experience but um i loved my i lived in melbourne which was very nice um and i think it was just too far like knowing that i would take me 24 hours to go and see my family or my parents if i if something had happened mm-hmm. uh, and then in in the end i think i just lost interest we've in, in her and something kind of happened in england and then you know i just kind of got on with my life and she got on with hers and it was sure. um you know we lived that far away enough that you, you forgetting someone was quite easy to do yeah uh, as long as you didn't talk to each other <laughs> Okay. Over email, I guess. And uh, okay, so what, what, yeah, I regret regret bits and pieces of that. But. Okay, yeah, it sounds like it was quite a quite a tour. Was was that return to England the end of end of the adventure, or that's when I got into? I think that's when I got into. So I was still more hammer online. That was then then when kind of rift and other MMOs started, uh-huh. and then when I started to work in audio visual for about almost 10 years and didn't really go anywhere between then uh, when actually well my, the australian she came over and we actually did a tour of northern africa like we went to like spain and uh, egypt and morocco and i don't know if you remember about 10 or so years ago in egypt when there was a massive eruption in cairo <laughs> and like basically there was this there was this almost a revolution <laughs> oh yes yes there is a civil unrest of some kind yeah in Ka- it was in cairo and guess who was there yeah sounds like you i was <laughs> and it was very interesting i remember traveling from cairo to the egyptian um, revolution of, of 2011 yeah that's it the 25 january revolution yeah yeah the date was set by various youth groups to coincide with the annual this is off wikipedia egyptian police holidays a statement against increasing br- police brutality during the last few years of the Mubarak's presidency. Demonstrations, marches, occupation of plazas, nonviolent civil resistance, acts of civil disobedience, and strikes. Millions of protesters from a range of backgrounds demanded the overthrow of the Egyptian president. Violent clashes between security forces and protesters resulted in at least 846 people killed and over 6,000 injuries. Protesters retaliated by burning over 90 police stations across the country. Holy shit. Yep. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the one. Um, as far okay. as I remember, it feels like it was. Yeah, it was definitely. It was definitely then because she came over afterwards. Were you in the thick um, of it, or were you just heads down during that? 
Was it 2011? I feel like that's the one. It, it was it the, there was definitely one around that time. I'm pretty sure it was. Well, you I can't remember which revolution it is. I mean, I don't know. There was a revolution when I was there. I feel like over in like that sub part of the world, there's a flipping revolution nearly every day. There, might, there has to be, right, with the way things are over there. I mean, all I remember was getting basically in a bus because we couldn't get a coach to the airport. Airports were shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to get, I think I was trying to get to, is it Dar es Salaam? Something like that. One of these very like touristy places because it would have been safe. Um, and like, it doesn't matter whether or not it was for a good reason there was a revolution or not. If people are running around the streets with machetes in their hands, that's not a good thing. And guns and shit, you know? I mean, that's not something as a tourist, as a white, you know, foreign, whoever, like in a country, like you don't know what's happening. You don't yeah. know what's going on. This is not your culture. This is not where you're from. You can't understand what they're going through as much as they can mm-hmm. and appreciate and try and, you know, either join. I don't know what to do. So we do all we're thinking all I'm thinking about is I've got my girlfriend, we need to be safe somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um we took a coach that didn't take us to where we needed to be, and we were with this other couple, this Russian couple, and basically they were I think it was about two or three AM and there would be these little buses that would take people to their jobs, like far away, different places. And basically it would be a tiny little I guess it would be almost like a like a not like a mini bus, but like a very tiny bus i can't i can't even explain it with like three seats in the middle and then four seats at the back or something three at the back and then like two and then one next to the door something like that and then you'd fit those people in and then you'd have people on the top on the roof and people on the back kind of a van but it's a mini bus is what we call it in england and like a mini van i guess in america um and that's what we ended up in for okay. five hours, five or six hours, traveling toward Dar es Salaam or some, as long as we were going away from Cairo um, to try and get safe. We got to our destination in the end and it was like, you know, a completely different world. Um, wow. And that's what it's like, you know, in, in many places, you know, you've been these very poor, very third world countries. There's these very, you know, beautiful escapes where people go and this place is just not real. Um, it's mm. not a real, it's not a, it's not a real experience it's not the country um it's it's just this very beautiful like a very touristy kind of touristy place yeah kind of like jamaica consumerist is, experience that does not reflect exactly. the, the culture around yeah yeah like here when people go to jamaica they don't go into jamaica they stay in the resorts and the places which are fenced off and barred yeah. away from the rest of the communities because if you go outside of those people are mostly trying to rip you off mm-hmm. um how do i know because it happened to me <laughs> um, again. Um, and, but I actually went horse riding around the villages and I met people and I, you know, would talk to people about their experience and, you know, I'd risk, I risked these things. Um, Why? Because I hated that experience The fake. I hated fakeness. I hated mm. fake life. And I didn't, I just hated that. I didn't, I liked it. I liked to be, to have a rest and to just chill. But then I needed to know the place. I needed to know the people in some kind of way. And I would analyze the risk in my head and think, you know, I could get into some trouble, but can I die? <laughs> that was the, almost the where I went to. And it might sound a bit extreme, but at that point in my life, that was where my head was. Um, and I, I know that. And I've been through counseling. And, you know, one of the things I will, will always remember my counselor saying to me, I don't mind talking about this because I'm talking about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, is that she said, you know, you had a death wish. 
um, it sounds like you had a death wish. And I was like, well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, she, but then she said, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you want it to die. It's that you were te- very much tempting this thing to happen. Yeah. Um, because then it was out of your hands. Like you'd already made up your mind about whether or not you were going to take your life. But now it was out of your hands kind of thing. And, you know, yeah. talking about that and going through it, you know, even just you, when you talk about this kind of stuff in counseling therapy, it makes you think about it, realize, you know, that mm-hmm. isn't maybe what I want to do, actually. And mm-hmm. you, you start to realize these things and then you start to you start to see some change. Um, and that's what count, that's why I love counseling so much and probably why I, I went into it. But like, you know, Guild Wars 2, Riff, well, I, after I'd been back after that trip, back from Australia and the, the Egypt trip, it was like Warhammer, Rift, Star Wars, Guild Wars 2. And you were still doing the audiovisual stuff during that time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't get into counseling until I was, until I had, good Lord, um, until later when I was like, I'm not sure what I want to do. I'd actually hurt my back on a job and I think I'd gone on a little trip somewhere mm. and I'd, I'd quit. And, and honestly, sometimes in my life, I feel like there's bits missing. Um, but I'd come back, I went freelance. And I'd worked at this university because I went, I left my job and I actually went traveling. I went on a trip again because I'd went to, I'd gone to Australia and come back. Um, and I went freelance because I couldn't work at this old firm. And then I went back to work for them again. I wasn't sure what to do. So I went freelance again, which is a nightmare because obviously this is kind of what I do now anyway. Working for yourself is not, not easy. Um, and then I was like just doing whatever. I was doing new things. I, and then I started to, you know, make random videos of us raiding and just dancing in Rift, which was just crap, you know, it's fun stuff. Like Rift had this awesome feature where you could literally record in the game with something that would just transfer yeah. video to YouTube. It would just upload it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. That's like so pr- it was amazing. In 2011 it was doing that? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. That's like, awesome. Well, maybe not 2011, but like a couple of years later. Okay. You know, like they put Still, all stuff. very ahead of the curve. Gift. Yes, yeah. You could export GIFs, you could export stuff to Twitter, I'm pretty sure, but definitely YouTube. Like those videos came straight from Rift, like Rift. I didn't mm-hmm. make any, like, I didn't edit anything or record. There was anything. no production. You just nope. hit a button in the game. That's cool. Yep. Made a video file, like a MP4. Um, and then, oh no, actually, no, I actually sent it to YouTube. I think it was connected to YouTube. Or you could, or you could record it to your computer, one of the two, I can't remember. But like, okay. essentially, it was very easily. Oh, no, no, it did. It sent it straight to YouTube, but you could save it to your computer if you wanted to. Okay, makes sense. It was great. So and then you did all the stuff on YouTube. So was there like a, a, a sense that you had of like saying, of, of transferring the adventure from being out into the world to in these virtual worlds? Or was it just something kind of different? I mean, in a way, yeah, essentially. I mean... I guess I'd already, I guess I'd already had these communities I was in mm-hmm. when I, when I traveled around the world, I hadn't met these people that I had connected with, like uh, in Warhammer online specifically, when we transferred to different games, we transferred to a lot of, we had a kind of branching over between the PVP people going to Rift and then a lot of people stayed there because Rift wasn't PVP enough. Mm-hmm. And then we had like meetups in houses like i remember us uh, hiring a house in like north london and tons of people from like germany sweden belgium and everything coming That's over so cool. and we all went out oh it was awesome we had like a guild house that we hired That's for the great night. thing about the european scene uh, man people can like 
so much easier to come mm-hmm. together. I feel like it is. It feels like it. Yeah, um, it's very. De- it's definitely possible in America. But it's, it feels so bit like so big. But like yeah. you know, we had people coming from like you know hours away as well. Yeah. Um, and and you know, you just you just kind of make it work. In the end, you know, a lot of people cancel, and then you you kind of have who you have and. Um, we all a ton of people came over to Guild Wars too, and um, I remember playing beta, and you've probably seen that video on like Guild Wars two beta launch and World v World, not knowing anything, and we mm-hmm. rolled the waves, you know, in in World v World in Europe on Aurora Glade, and um, a year into that, I I lost the lost interest because it was just everyone started to know what to do. We we're just running around in blobs all day. They'd literally, I think they'd brought in seasons and stuff, and then they started slowly bringing like server transfers and stuff. <laughs> and April, it would just, for me, it personally just wrecked the whole experience of World v. World and having that server rivalry um, and server pride that we had all built up in Europe. And I, I felt like Arena Net at the time just completely disconnected from that idea of what european scene was um and maybe they saw the numbers uh, instead of what we saw which was which was actually a very awesome awesome experience but at the same time there were many servers that were just dead um yeah. people just had no chance so they had to do something um personally for me at that time thinking about myself back then you know it was, it was not fun that's when i went to pvp so world v world <laughs> world, world tournament series server transfers the life goes out of World v. World for you. You go to PvP. Yeah, so the World Tournament series is something different. Um, that was later with uh, ESO and all that kind of right, stuff. Right, right. Sorry, well, no, that was before ESO. But you, the World, I'm mixing up League, my my terms. Yeah, yeah, but like the World v. World League season stuff, which yes. yeah, yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah, you know, I I missed those all those early days of Guild Wars two, which is sad. Which is sad. Um, that all that happened during a time where I was going through my own version of a of an IRL adventure, um, nice. courting and and living with my then girlfriend now wife, who at the time was studying music in uh, Switzerland. So wow. I uh, I flew overseas and sell, sold all my shit to, and uh, tried to make a go of teaching English in a foreign country to support myself. Wow, that's which great. It didn't. I mean, it didn't work. <laughs> so i gave it a bash do you know what i mean yeah 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 no i i, I lived there illegally for a little while and then i got in, <laughs> and 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 then i uh i i like uh, cashed in on my my choir boy upbringing my mom's a uh a church musician uh uh-huh. to enroll in the school myself to get back on legal footing so but during that mm-hmm. time I, I wasn't doing any gaming and that was like 2011 right. and then it kind of that period kind of ended for me in 2014 um but anyway, uh, yeah, it was a it was a transformative time in my own life. But going back to you mm. um, and that or those early days of Guild Wars, um, yeah. <clears throat> so you found PvP, which was the beginning of something kind of interesting. Tell me about your early exposure to Guild Wars Two PvP. Um. Well, the funny thing was was that we I, to find some kind of server or to try and. Because post what because of what we were talking about the server kind of mm. pride stuff, I'd I'd met a lot of people for who on our server who were interested in like kind of keeping that alive. And SPVP obviously you can just have, uh, you know, no matter what server you're on, you you PVP and it doesn't matter. You're not PVP right. with you're PVP for yourself or your team. Right. Um, it's region wide. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so I set up a tournament. Okay. Um, you had arenas. Um, we always started to have arenas. And I wasn't in the Shoutcaster program, which was, which was what that was back then. I, I, at least I don't think it, I was. I don't, don't think I applied for it. But I got asked to join that later. That's an um, arena thing? It was a okay. long time ago. Okay. Um, but basically, I set up a tournament. The idea was to have at least 8 to 16 teams. Uh-huh. I had eight teams interested. Um, the prize money was basically every team puts in like two gold or five gold or something in each, which back then was quite a lot of money. <laughs> okay. okay. But just not enough to be like, you know, too expensive for people to afford. Um, and you'd fight for the gold, basically. You know, mm-hmm. a top team would get a certain, certain amount, the second team would get a certain amount. Um, it came to the day, had two teams left. <laughs> Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I wanted to join. Oh. Um, because everyone pulled out. And uh, I was just like, screw it. Um, and my first ever shoutcast is still on my YouTube. It's the first tournament video that's on there. It's one of the first ones. I was I just watching that the other day. Mm-hmm. Damn you. It's very <laughs> bad. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and probably a lot of people in Guild Wars 2 community still probably think I'm very bad to this day because that's another story for another time, I guess. Well, we um, should we should all, I, I think, aspire to progress enough so that we look back at our old stuff with, with disappointment. Yeah. It's a reflection sure. of growth. I mean, it, it was the intention was to just have fun and to just do a thing. You know, the, the intention was never to to be a shoutcaster and in, inevitably shoutcast in front of, you know, thousands of people uh-huh. online and in front of people like, you know, like in live venues. That was never my expectation. Um, so how did and, one thing turn into another there? Well, this is where uh, Oliver Bricks, who is a very awesome, awesome guy in Europe. He was, I think he was 16, maybe at the time, 17, he was working for ESL. And they were doing uh, Guild Wars 2 weekly tournaments in, in, in the EU specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and Blue, I don't know if you remember Blue. Um, he casted very early on in Guild Wars 2. It's one of the OG casters. Probably recognize Syrup. him. Mm-hmm. You'd recognize it. He does loads of stuff now. He's pretty big. He's like does um, CSGO and stuff like that. Cool. Um, uh, I think he does uh, Rainbow Six Siege now, actually. He's, he's pretty big. That's what his main job is. Um, and Syrup and stuff, they couldn't do a show. And it was EU, and they were American. So they were doing, the, they were doing this, you know, during the day, their time. And it was the evening, our time. Okay. And they didn't have EU casters. So it was like, okay. And I think they got an EU and then they won up in the end and, and they ended up doing that. But like, this, is, this was my first like, entry into esports. It was only a week or two later, bear in mind, after my first ever commentating nice. gig ever, which was to so how did, five how did, people. How did Blue <laughs> find you? It wasn't Blue, it was, uh, it was Oliver Sorry. Bricks. Found how did Oliver find you? Okay. He found me randomly, I think, through just like some tournament vods or searching or just something on the on the forums and then got to one of my vods or something yeah. and then saw me. Bear in mind this is Twitch days pre everything. Like yeah. this was just post Justin TV. This was just becoming Twitch. This was very new. Um this was two thousand thirteen, fourteen, whenever that video is. <laughs> That's the time it was. Okay. Um and yeah, so it got me in for my first cast. I think I casted with Syrif or I casted solo and I casted on my channel. I one of the, it was either the first cast or the second cast. I casted on my own channel. Um, and we used to get hundreds and, and sometimes thousands of viewers 
from my pissy little two or three viewer stream of once <laughs> I did one day of a tournament which broke down and was a failure to then <laughs> casting on my own channel with this many people. Uh -huh. um, and you can kind of see where my partnership came from. Um, <laughs> it wasn't every day, it wasn't every week, but then they weren't making many people partners and I was getting significant views as well as I needed quality settings. Um, mm. So, you know, quality settings are a big thing. I talked to, ended up talking to someone um, at Gamescom ages ago and talking with one of the French casters, had a chat with this, with this guy who was like, yeah, we can give you partnership if you want. You need it for this, that, the other. You do this kind of stuff. This is what you do regularly. We want you to have the sayings and the quality and extra, extra, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of blagged it a bit. And, <laughs> and uh, I got a partnership. Quality settings. I'm, I'm not sure I quite understand. What's, what, so what back then, yeah. you couldn't get above 720 or was it 360? I can't oh, remember. 420 something. In terms of the, uh, the resolution. stream resolution and the bit rate. Yeah. You couldn't because they couldn't. They couldn't they didn't have the bandwidth for it. Right. <laughs> they couldn't funnel that everyone's way. So right. like you had the only way to have that was to get partnered partnered or uh -huh. then after a while, they'd actually got this to the point where if you got over a certain amount of viewers, you'd get the quality settings coming up. So on mm. the cog, you basically could look like, you know, you could look at 10, 720 and 1080, even though they're uh -huh. already streaming in 720, the, the quality you're watching at was probably like, you know, whatever mobile so they were up -resing it weird okay yeah well no they didn't up -res it they put the resolution out of what was actually being put out by the, the broadcaster okay okay <laughs> so essentially they were down resolution yeah yeah, everything. yeah. Down which is what you get and now if if you're uh yeah okay i get it yeah so now you can get for for example on your channel i can go to i'm a 1080 um like you know there's no way you'd have we would have had that Mm -hmm. back in the day right There's no way you yeah, would have and, had to have had hundreds of viewers right right so but you were getting a lot of viewers yeah and and you got that quality it sounds like i did i got partnership mm -hmm. because it just kept happening all the time like week after week yeah so like i did that for bringing home the, the bacon okay yeah well i didn't get paid for it uh, okay <laughs> oh okay. that's funny um it was just it was just a hobby you know it was just something yeah, yeah. you did um, and then after a while, uh, that's when the World Tournament Series happened, and they started to take it a lot serious, more serious arena now. Um, but before that, it was the uh, you got invited. I got invited to the what did I call it earlier? The Shoutcaster Arena Net Shoutcaster program, which is what it was called back then. You had to apply to it. It's a bit like the Partner program now. Mm -hmm. um, if it pretty much got put sucked into that, it was mm -hmm. separate until the until that came. Uh, together and and there was me blue what syrof um there was the german shoutcasters chronic gamer some of the guild news people who i'm not sure if you know about but the, the german community peeps who do I'm that podcast and all that yeah. stuff yeah it's been around forever and um, and that that program did what <laughs> the caster program <laughs> well, like we we coordinated with arena on tournaments and uh we ended up you doing cast up on their official channel series. or yeah the I, I mean i ended yep. up doing yep. that yeah yep. yeah for like um that's where i was kind of pointing that's it exactly yeah <laughs> so we we did the world tournament series the first one ever was in china when the game released out in there right it was china america Beijing and europe in december of 2014 i have this written down yeah okay i didn't go to that i didn't cast that why not 
Now, this is a funny story about fate and my life <laughs> again. <laughs> now, Blue did this because he was one of the OG guys that was always around. And I feel like they wanted him to cast the first major gig. And that was, the, I was came in later. That was fine. Um, I didn't really care. But like, you know, I was like, that's, that's cool. He deserves to do that job. I was a bit older, but obviously a little bit jealous going to China to cast at esports. Like, that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. At the time where like StarCraft was massive and all these games like being like casted yeah. over there. Um, problem was the infrastructure of the studio wasn't great. So what happened was they were doing this cast and it didn't come into America, England, Europe or anywhere. Um, and basically they lost connection. But the footage from the Chinese stream was fine. Uh -huh. I don't know why. So what happened was, so I was like... And this, this this event set off a chain a chain of events that again started something brand new in my life okay um in my head i'm like you know people want to see this right yeah. i can watch this on this feed that i know of and not many other people know of uh -huh. i'm restreaming this and i'm commentating it right now uh-huh <laughs> five to six thousand people were on my stream that wow day. <laughs> bro that is cool yeah it goes it was, to show you, ask for forgiveness, day. not for permission. Exactly. Well, that's it. I mean, back then, I would have got copyright striked out of the wazoo, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. And, but instead, what it netted me was I got Corona Gamer, and we'd be casting EU consistently. That's right. He came over from the German show and actually wanted to get his English um, better and improve it. So like, he actually wanted to cast the, the English version and be on the, the show, which got more viewers, obviously. Um, <laughs> and uh, But German seems pretty big anyway, so we're always competing in a way. Yeah. Um, and we did it. Um, we, can't, we watched their point of view that the quality was awful. Um, but ArenaNet loved us for it. And they absolutely adored me and Nick for that job. And marketing basically, you know, <laughs> they, they said you saved Guild Wars. Like, I remember a marketing person saying you saved Guild Wars 2 that day. Um, literally, the PvP section of the game, they, they told us, they were like, you know, we needed that show. We needed it. We needed to see it. And you saved yeah. it. And I will never forget that. That's pretty um, And they may have spoken cool. out of turn, but like, that's what they said. Yeah, no, I appreciate it as well. And chance. because of that, I was asked to go on a panel for in pack south on the heart fawns launch release um like preview right. with aurora peachy bogotta and chronic game was the other guy there with me sitting next to me in with jennifer hale and like you know walking around the audience and colin johansson and mike uh and mo just standing on the stage like yeah. doing this big presentation and i'm like what was that like man how did i get here dude <laughs> <laughs> just kick the door open and you know Dominoes have fallen. <laughs> yeah, what was that experience like? I mean, I, at that point, I think I'd actually commentated. So, and, and I'm not sure if I'd done Pro League or if I'd done. No, Pro League wasn't then. Pro League, I think I've done. I'm not sure if I'd done WTS. No, that was 2015. Um, yeah, I have Boston later. in March 2015 and, and Cologne in August 2015. Yeah, so, so, my, so first it was the January. Um, Preview slash in, on the panel of Aurora Pitch and Fingerjack. Um, right. And Bogart, sorry. That was a big was announcement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like we knew nothing. We knew absolutely effort. They yeah. wouldn't tell us the thing. I they went back and watched. Um, I went back and watched an old uh, Guild Gab, Aurora Peachy's podcast, 
oh, yeah. that, that they did in like like the three or four days before the announcement when they were kind of talking about the community chatter because they knew that Arena had bought a stage at, at PAX, which, you yeah. know, meant something big was coming up. And they were uh-huh. like, does Guild Wars 2 need expansions? It was, it, was a, it was a great, great little discussion all about what the future of the game could be and a real reflection of... We didn't know it was going to be an expansion. Anything goes at that time. <laughs> yeah, it was no, we didn't know. No, no one knew. That's wild. Um, That's wild. I remember having, I remember us going in for rehearsal, thinking, what, what are we rehearsing? Like, are we, what, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> they were just like, we'll just talk about, you know, your expert, like what you think it might be. And then we're like, well, what do we do? They didn't tell and you? No, nothing. They told us absolutely fuck all, dude. Like, I, I'm not breaking NDA here or anything. They were like, literally just like, don't sit, like, we can't, so we don't want you to know because we want to see your, you know, part your of what I reaction. was reactionary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I remember coming out of the rehearsal, and it, Jennifer had just done a bit, and Mo and Colin had done their bits. And you know what Colin's like? He's a very charming man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, the pizza was flowing. Like we, I remember walking out, and it was just like this cold, like it was this like rough pizza, and I was just we were all so hungry because we'd just flown in that day, and me mm-hmm. and Nick had come in from England and mm-hmm. Germany, so we were jet lagged to fuck, uh-huh. and <laughs> just like. We're the first ever pack South. We're literally like doing this launch thing, and like it was just random. And the whole event was amazing. I, and I remember the one of my big, best memories about the whole thing, as well as meeting all the people and uh, Jennifer Hale and Colin and and all the team at Arena Net. Um, that's where I met my wife for a start, my ex-wife. Oh my god. Um, and that's also where I met Angry Joe. Huh? <laughs> oh, okay. The actual thing, which was a big, big hype moment for me because I've been watching this guy forever. What was he um, like out of character? Or was he still in character? I mean, he was in character. He was walking around Pax South. You know, he was just outside the door because he'd gone yeah. into Guild Wars 2. I mean, if you look up Guild Wars 2 videos, his video for, you know, liking Guild Wars oh, 2 yeah. is still up there in the millions. That was the know? first video I ever saw. I ever saw about the yeah, game. It's, exactly. It's, exactly. In, in terms of, like, generating hype, it, it's a, like... He's very excited in that video. Oh, he's very genuine, I feel like, in his... Well, he, I don't know what he's like now. I don't really watch his stuff anymore, but he was felt very genuine when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like he is probably younger than me still, um, even now. But like, he felt very genuine, and I always... I latch onto that, that genuineness and an authentic individual quite much. But yeah. quite... So, uh, a lot more words, lyrics. Um, mm. And... Uh, he, he was there's I've still got a picture of me and him just looking at the camera and you know, like angry, which is not something I do. Um, nice. and uh, yeah, I started, I saw my Instagram and other things. And uh yeah, that's when I met my wife. She was working, she was in PR. Um and as uh, I remember I was sitting at a in a restaurant um in Texas and I should pretty much like she was sitting next to me and we just started talking and, and that's you know, we from there, we kind of had this <laughs> this secret relationship that I really didn't know about. Um, Ooh, spicy. <laughs> um, Forbidden I love. I too much about that. <laughs> but like, again, I risked it. And, and in the end, I, I, you know, I ended up, I ended up here. And that's what I talk about in terms of the events spinning over into other things. But I was able to see her because I, I she went to these same events that I went to. So I was like casting there. I did the panel for Heart Fawns. I did the um, 
I did the WTS um, cast that you're talking about in Boston. She was there. Right. right. Um, and the events from there as well. Okay. Cool. <laughs> and okay. So where, where should we take this Hello. next? Should, I don't know, mate. <laughs> you guys, you guys eventually got, got married. Yeah. How, was that yeah. much further down the line? That was further down the line. Yeah. Okay. That was like three or four years later. Okay. Three, two years later. Three years so later. in the meantime, house. lots of Guild Wars 2 PVP still going on. Lots more events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you go to the to the Boston uh, World Tournament Series event? I casted that with uh, Kalaris, yes. Okay. And, like, take us through it. What was that like? Very awesome. Uh, so that's when, that was before Half-Forms was getting released, of course. So they, yeah. they did that in conjunction with the ESL, because um, ESL ran it. I'm, did ESL run it? No, I don't think they ran it. I think that was before ESL were on board with that. I think, I think ESL was, like was, in, was with- the following year. Yeah, they were they worked with ES, ESL at different times. They're a production company, basically. Okay. Um, and they did this the World Tournament series, and there was uh, orange logo. Mm-hmm. Um, two American teams. Uh, oh god, the Abjured was there, and Dankening teams. Dankening was the was the other American team. What was the other EU team? Fifty five. No, it was. I have I have Heaven and Earth, a Chinese team, written down. That was the Chinese team. Oh, and it was two American teams then, yeah, because it was in America. That's right. The whole yeah. the region where it was was the that's region that teams. had two teams. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Damn, I forgot about that. So the EU team went over to America mm-hmm. um, and won. Basically, uh, it was it was a very hype event. I my casting was was a bit. I was still trying to really understand where where I was trying to do with it. Because very much so, like the way that I, when you when you commentate, so I was very much brought into the scene as someone who came in last minute and wasn't really something that I wanted to do. Essentially, um, I was just a fun event, and I brought excitement and genuineness and authentic joy out of what I did and what I saw. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily wasn't necessarily very mechanically minded. Mm. Um, More of a color a guy. Of the, <laughs> yeah, so I was I was the hype man basically. Um, and unfortunately, hype men don't always get the respect of the higher level players. And uh, that was something that, that I got a lot of shit for until the day it ended, basically. It was very traumatic at times. Huh. Um, yeah, I have no was, idea was, about that. Yeah, not many people do. <laughs> Some people do. Um, but like I used to get uh, people watching my streams and watching casts you know, like big casters, I won't name names specifically, but they would basically take the piss out of my shout casting. Um, and essentially, essentially bullying pretty much and just like being awful. Um, yes. And basically I would get people coming to my stream just telling me I sucked. Um, yeah, it was pretty bad. And you'd be okay. like, you know, these are, you know, these are like mid twenties to late 20 so, year old men. doing so this kind of stuff. I'm 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 supposed I'm supposing that, that these are, are people who are members of uh, the streaming communities of the other high level players who are doing this. High level players, yeah, who were actually in the community as well, who were in the mm-hmm. same games, yeah. Very, it was. Yeah, you know, you I know. think that for for like a, a modern day con- uh, connection, I was just uh, you know I've one of the, one of the guys who I've been watching on Twitch a lot lately is uh, Limit Max. Um, oh yeah, the guy who uh, is the uh, the raid leader for uh, one of World of Warcraft's top uh, top raid teams. I think they won last raid tier and they came in second place uh, this raid tier. And okay. um, one of the things that, that I saw him talk about was how the 
communities of these teams um, end up doing things that really just drag everyone down with toxicity. Where mm -hmm. if you're a fan of Echo, which is the team that beat them this tier, you come into right. uh, in, into one of the limit streams and you just talk shit about how bad they are or, you know, just clown on them. And there's this line between like kind of playful banter versus mm -hmm. actually like kind of kind of, actually kind of being a dick. Um, and it's a, it's a hard line to navigate it, it, it especially if uh, especially if most of your social interaction comes online. Mm -hmm. um, so it sucks when it happens. Um, and the, sh the shitty thing is the people who suffer the most from it are the people who are putting in all the effort and might not, yep. to your point, even be getting paid for that effort. Yeah, yeah. And later, I, you know, I mean, I'm, I think this is fine because it's years later now, like I did. I was working. I was spending my life, like, to dedicate to a role, and I would get paid for casting a gig, which was only fair. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Probably should have got paid more, <laughs> in all honesty. But at the time, yeah. I didn't give a fuck. I was casting, shout casting, commenting video games, and I was getting my flights were paid for. And I'd put the work in, and I, I deserved it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a pretty cool job. It was. It took a, you got a lot of abuse. A lot of abuse from yeah. from players, from fans. Uh, I wonder if there are people who yeah. were frustrated because they feel like they could have done a better job because they knew the game better or they knew the players oh, absolutely. better. And they're like, you know, I, I who who is this Jebro guy? He doesn't know what he's talking about. I could do this job. This is silly. And there's yeah. that, that, this kind of jealousy that kind of comes in. But what they mm -hmm. the, the the crappy thing about that is that there's so much of what you there's so much of what you bring to the equation there that is unique. And, yeah. you know, as, as you said, like you were just in the right place at the right time. And the reason you were is because you got involved and you stepped up and you took responsibility for having what you wanted. You organized your own PVP tournament yeah. on your own steam. You, you casted it, you put it on your own channel. Like it's something I was talking to Aurora Peachy about last week. Like, um, because I, I was, uh, she was talking about her, um, you know, awesome, like very patient raid group that she, that she played through most of Guild Wars 2's raids with. Um, I was there as well for a bit yep. of it. Yeah. And so, you know, what, what I'm about to say, which is that it's not your typical raid group. You know, there's not pressure to play meta builds. Um, mm -hmm. it could take a long time to get through bosses. It's about the experience. Yeah. And I was just thinking, man, it, that is the kind of raid group that I would like to be in, you know, not about the results, but more about the experience. Come and join that, us on a Wednesday, mate. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I will. Maybe I will. But, but how Sign do you, and the, the thing that was so cool about that group, like to me is the fact that y'all stayed connected over years. Yeah. And well, when they, you, I came in a bit later than, than probably, you know, Aurora Peachy was there said that too, that, that, that people cycle in and out, which is normal with yeah. any kind of yeah. player. Mm -hmm group of players or even people in the real world jobs yeah. families people come and go but that there's a, a core that sustains and i think that it's inter and this is this is a tangent i don't want to go too far down but i think i should say it now um that like so much of what so much of what makes those experiences in video games good is yeah. that connectivity mm. the trick is 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 the way that the incentives are arranged kind of produces these outcomes where people people tend to treat each other as like NPCs almost. Yeah. And it takes a real act of um 
personal awareness to mm-hmm. overlook the expediency of chasing the of, uh, outcomes of I need this raid clear this week. I need my legendary mm-hmm. insights to, to make my raid armor and say, is that what I really need? Or is what I really need to have a group of friends who I get to spend some time with every week? And it's a real... Yeah, it's deli- difficult, actually. It is difficult to do. Yeah. Um, but that, that ability is um, something I'm learning how to wield, I would say, more frequently <laughs> than I used to. And yeah. the, the podcast, this podcast is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. So, because... Uh, you know, the podcast has its moments. Sitting down and talking with you, this is the best part of it. But all yeah. the research, all the sending invites out, all the post-production, yeah. all the social media stuff, ugh, like, that ain't, mm-hmm. that, you get it. You get it more, more <laughs> than I do. Um, no, I so, get it as much as you do. Yeah. <laughs> you've been doing, I think you've been doing this for probably about the same time. Yeah, how, how old is Lightbringers? I used to do, well, actually, to be honest, I mean, I did podcast, I actually looked on my YouTube the other day and I realized I actually did podcasts in PvP early days. I've completely forgotten about it. <laughs> like, I hadn't been doing, I haven't done it significantly since then. I yeah. did it back then and I actually did podcasts with P- pro PvP players because it was a show that I put forward um, to, uh, to Grouch, who's Josh Javis now. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> it's the same person. Um, on the ArenaNet channel. Yeah, little garage. Um, and I actually did that on ArenaNet's channel. I can't believe I ever actually did that. And I did then when I went to ESO for a while, I actually did a very, very popular ESO podcast for quite a while. Um, it was called The New Companions. And it was, I think Ooh. I got 25 episodes of that. I recognize that name. Yeah, it was very, it was very, it was very popular. <laughs> it was very popular. I got into the ESO stream team, which is essentially the, uh, ruin the net partner team. I want to ask you about ESO, but not not yet. Because okay. ESO is a game um, I I'm yeah, very curious about. I don't know much about, but I'm curious about it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Reader Geek is in the chat saying March March second, twenty twenty was the first Lightbringers. Which yeah, actually that's I think I I did my first podcast in January. So yeah. it lines up about similar. But you were doing this other stuff before that even. Um, so I've I've been doing it for a bit longer. Yeah, man. Like, like you've, you've been in this game, like sticking your 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 toe into doorways. It feels like, and like doorways. those doorways just open. You're like, hell yeah, bro! I'm here. I'm Jebro. Yeah, yeah. That that seems like, to be the theme. I think I think in um, well, and yeah, that's the same with Elder Scrolls Online. You know. Okay. Um, yeah, it's fun. It, it was, but like Guild Wars Two specifically, like the the pro league. You know that really kicked off in a big way, and we did mm-hmm. like. That was after WTS in Cologne, uh, which was the following year, I believe. Or in August 2015. Year, so that was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that was a big year for Guild Wars 2. One yeah. of the biggest. Um, we, well, yeah, that was the Heart of Thorns release. That was... It was just after, yeah. That was a big... Oh, no, was update. WTS before? No, WTS was just... Cologne was just before release. Right, so the announcement was in January 2015. Yep. Which was about a month after the the Beijing uh, event, yeah, Jeez. and then and then in the Boston wow. where where you had the two North American teams that was in March, and then yep. Cologne was in was in August, which would have been about two months before the Heart of Thorns launch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was and then so close together. Yeah, man. And then Heart of Thorns comes out, and then um, even before um, 
even before season three of the Living World content starts back up, you have the ESL Pro Pro League, which I I think started in February of 2016. But it sounds like you were doing other stuff before that came around. Um, not a massive amount. I was still I was still working in 2016. I think I was. I was during 2014, 15, 16 was actually when I started the counseling stuff alongside mm-hmm. all of this. Okay. So I was already, I was, I had actually stopped working as a, not, I hadn't stopped working as an AV technician. I actually worked in a or AV tech um, department in the university in the uh-huh. north of London. Uh-huh. And I was working with one of my mates part time and I'd work, and then I started locally working for getting a diploma in um, psychodynamic counseling. Uh, okay. which is all about the unconscious and actually uh, where it was a, like a volunteer agency where it was low cost uh, mental health care. Okay. Um, and basically people would pay anything from like two pounds to like 45 pounds a session, which is pretty cheap. Yeah. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. But more like community based. So like for people with low income, et cetera. Yeah, um, yeah. But they would offer courses to people in the like, which would essentially pay for the whole service in a way, which is very awesome. That's cool. Um, yeah, yeah, it was very awesome, which is why I wanted to go there and not in university or something, because it felt like I was putting the money back into the community with my learning. Uh-huh. That makes sense. It um, felt more like real. I could have gone to university, but I would have been paying like, the business of the university and the government for another student loan, and I'd already been to university. That just... sounds like a very Jebro choice to make. You it know? was a very Jebro choice. <laughs> yeah. It was it was interesting because I I literally did a foundation course for a year to find out what it was all about and that uh-huh. that's the decision then you do a year and then I was straight I was into counselling I was counselling people for a about a year um, uh-huh. before I actually and that led up to pretty much me going to America well actually I I stopped for about six or seven months because I wanted to give uh, myself sometimes to get used to the fact that I was going to America in the first place without like worrying about clients and their concerns about me leaving. Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot, there was a lot to do around that time, but you know, while, while this was going on, there was pro league. There was also, um, good Lord, the championships for, for the pro league as well. Cause we had two seasons. Um, there was E there was the one we did in London and then there was the one we did in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the world championship, which was the, the third big thing. Because right. we had put this whole roadmap out of I all of these that. events. Yeah, that they needed to get done. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get it done. Yeah, okay. So during all that, you were also starting this counseling thing and, and yeah. figuring out how to move over to the U.S. Yeah, and having this long-distance relationship. <laughs> right. And it sounds like the move to the U.S. was, was motivated by uh, bridging that gap. Yeah, I mean to get to get married and to be with her and yeah. to to come here and um, see what ha- would happen with like my casting and stuff. It was very much on the side, um, and unfortunately, that kind of that kind of went out. Which I guess we will talk about later anyway. But like, it was the process to move to America is a very invasive, horrible experience. In all oh. honesty, <laughs> um, and and it sounds very interesting because we always think about like immigration being a very very difficult thing if you're not white, not all these things. Whereas actually, if you're not from America, <laughs> it's difficult as fuck. It's like like it, it, it's probably easier for me because I am white because uh-huh. I am English and I speak English as a language as my first language. Mm-hmm. It's probably a shitload easier, and I recognize my privilege as being a white man very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it was horrible. 
Um, you know, what was I mean, so bad I, about it? The one experience that I remember the most were the things they take your life apart. You know, you have to have like very police investigations about you. You have to have like, um, I remember going to the embassy in London, pretty much getting naked and being prodded, poked and looked at all of all the holes in the places to make sure that I was okay health, health wise. What the fuck? Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, and it was because of my past with drugs, basically. Mm. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was part of it. But it wasn't like, you know, this was stuff that I freely admitted, which I never wish I had, but it wasn't like, mm. you know, it had been so long ago. I was like, well, you know, I used to do this, that, the other. And it was like, oh, so maybe it wouldn't have been that bad. It's one of those um, things where, like, because you said it, they have to do all, all, all these elevated yeah, checks yeah. now. My honesty really sucked. <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to know where you can be honest and where you can't. But yeah. I just like to go one way. And if I get fucked over, then hey, hey. If you're going to get <laughs> fucked over, it's better to get fucked over for being honest than to get fucked over for lying. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also, I'm genuinely kind of a shit liar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just kind of suck at lying. Um, I can sometimes stretch the truth maybe a little bit and I do suck at lying and people can normally see through it pretty easily. I tried to lie, but it doesn't work. So when I call you up and like, Hey, Jebro, let's go get a drink. And you're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I can't. I'm need to wash my hair. Like that's the kind of transaction that would occur. Yeah, completely. <laughs> I mean, that's obviously what yeah. I mean, that's probably more anxiety that's doing the lying than anything else. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Yeah. Um, but now I would probably be more or more honest than, about that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was always very. God, I've completely lost track of my thought process just then. That's okay, actually, <laughs> Jabril. This is a I'm good. This older. is a good. I think this is a good moment for us to take a short break. Let's sure. Yeah, I can go to the bathroom. Sweet yeah, let's, let's grab a short break, everyone. We'll be back here in five. Okay. And we're back talking to Jebro, Guild Wars yeah. Two caster, esports man. Uh, <laughs> Kicker open of doors, I, I'm going to yeah. say. And uh, ex-adrenaline junkie. So, <laughs> Jebra, we were just talking through how your life changed in like the 2015-2016 era when... Um, so, Guild Wars 2 was going through its own changes where the PvP scene was becoming much less of a thing. You were moving to the States to go live with the person who was then your, your girlfriend... Um, you were getting married. Oh yeah, this was just. I guess this that was just as I was moving. It was, it was weird though because like, the PvP scene was 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 odd. Like there was a couple of people who were in there who, who really believed in me, and in all honesty, and I don't know if I would have been able to do what I, what I'd done without them. To be honest, especially mm -hmm. the the job that I'd got at um, doing the hard form stuff because I think. <laughs> The main person who messaged me about that was was Josh Davis, was Grouch, Grouch, who most people might people people might most know him by. Um, and I don't know if he felt obliged or he saw something me in me that, he, or he believed in what I did, or he liked my excitement or whatever. Um, I still don't really know. I mean, they always told me I deserved these shots. The thing is, is I I, I feel like I was people thought I was very humble in the fact that I would tell other people that they should go and do these things and shoutcast and commentate. And I would actually say, I, don't, I actually didn't feel like I deserved to, to do these things ever. Huh. It's a very, you know, Daniel, like, that's my name. Uh, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very me thing. I, I don't feel like I deserve Didn't feel like you'd earned it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, basically. I've, I've never okay. felt really like that. 
Um, and so I'd always be like, you know, they deserve this more than I do and they should do this thing. Um, why don't you get them to do it? They live in America, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they would often say to me, you know, look, we want you. And they believed in, in me as well. So there was very much this, there's very much this, you know, and this is why I've always had a, had a very, I, and I might be biased towards arena in a, in a way more than most people because of the way they treated me. Uh, and brought me into the fold of arena and believed in me because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and this is gonna sound ridiculous maybe to a lot of people but almost arena net was almost the parent that i almost feel like i never had wow. um it was very very odd even though i love my mum and dad's a bits and they're beautiful wonderful people um there was a lot going on for them when i was younger and when you know and growing up there was not you know they were very good people and they did the best they could for me and everything else and i love them to bits and they're very good parents um, and then I had my own my own troubles and stuff, but you know, it took a lot for me to believe in myself, and a lot of it came because of Arena Net's confidence in me. That's um, amazing and trust. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they changed. Uh, they, I, you know, I, I essentially like it changed my life really uh, in a lot of ways. You know, I I went came to America. I met my wife. Like, you know, I know we're not married anymore, but I still, you know, appreciate that experience. And I'm, I blame. I massively blame Josh Davis for meeting my wife in the virus place and moving to America and, and being where I am now, which is terrible. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I've told him that many times. Um, but Josh Davis, Grouch, then the community brand manager at ArenaNet, really, yeah. really believed in you, really, mm-hmm. really heard you when you said, I don't deserve this, and said, no, man, you do deserve this. And it sounds like yeah, that was I mean, something I, that you, that meant mm-hmm. a lot to you to hear. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I said it in so many words. I think I felt like I was saying that and they kind of said that back to me. But yeah, yeah I felt like yeah. it was it was that kind of thing where I, because I would always say, you know, this person deserves it or maybe I shouldn't because, you know, these guys think I suck. Or, um, and I, I can't even imagine what kind of thing, like I know now that behind the scenes, there was a lot of pressure from players in that top part of the scene mm-hmm. and people who even Steve still stream the game now mm-hmm. who really wanted me out as a caster. Oh. Okay. And they went straight to arena net with that stuff. And I, I know that, you know, um, if people either fought for me or they were just like, you know, he's our guy kind of thing, you know, so they had my back. Um, whereas actually, and a lot of the community did, but when you do this kind of stuff, when you're a creator, you won't pick, and we all know this, and you, you might know this as well, I don't want to assume, okay. but we, we pick out that one person who picks, who picks out our vulnerability, hmm. you know? The person who said, you, you suck at doing this. Mm-hmm. The tens of thousands, like, you know, if you're a big creator, big, they still do it, of, like, amazing comments about, this is great video, you really inspire me, you know, you got me through depression, you did all this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're shit at this job. You're crap at this. You're awful. You go straight to that yep. because it picks out your vulnerability about yourself and they see you. Sure, sure. And... Yeah. That sucks. And when you know it's players who are in, who you are literally talking to and casting every day, mm-hmm. that gets to you. And when you get the abuse and stuff I did, I used to get stuff in my comments. I used to get DMs. I had a guy basically tell me how he was going to kill me at Gamescom in Cologne um, in a very detailed, very detailed message, um, which I never told her in that. <laughs> um, but he told me how he's going to stab me and all this other kind of stuff. Um, even told me like the doors that we might be happening at, and it was it was pretty scary. 
um yeah i got a lot of abuse um back then unfortunately back not, then? not many people know about it but yeah it was it was pretty <laughs> yeah like i but this is a thing like I, as i was growing up like you know i got mugged when i was 12 you know i'm even younger than that you know i got smashed in the face by some older guy with like a beer can and stuff when i was a little bit older than that and got mugged and you know all this kind of violence and this kind of stuff and not not home life at all just just so i'm clear about that mm -hmm. um but like school going into an all boys school you know you know people were assholes and i'd had those kinds of people around me my entire life so i mm -hmm. i just got i just went through and kept doing me you know i was like you know like these people they're gonna try and tear me down and they are tearing me down and i feel like shit i'm still gonna do what i'm gonna do Mm -hmm. because that's not going to stop me. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm very anxious and very, you know, all the different kinds of things. And the, there have been people I remember along the way that have been there to support me and push me through mm -hmm. if I've needed it. And, and the reason they didn't necessarily push me, but they trusted me and they gave me confidence. Um, so I will never forget them for that. I will never forget some of the people that, that did that for me. Um, Anyone you want to like, shout out? Or like Josh Davis, Colin Johansson, for sure. Um, you know, Colin on beta weekend um, before Heart of Forms came out at the studio. I was living, I started to, I think I was on a, a vacation here with um, my ex. I went to the studio and just hung out with him and oh. Grouch, like Josh Davis and my ex, like, in the studio, just in one of the rooms, playing the Heart Forms expansion, like, you know, just mm. on beta weekend with them. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, when we got married, there was, there was me and my ex, like, on the top of this building. And I've shared this story before. You know, there's Josh David, there's Colin Johansson, there's a ton of Aina devs. You know, these people wow. are my friends. Um, wow. And, like, I knew them, you know. Um, and I, it's a shame I haven't been able to connect to them as much as I would have wanted to here especially because of COVID and, and everything else. And hopefully that's going to change in the future. Um, but I do it. We do it in our own way, I guess, from time to time. And, um, you know, I've sat in a pub and I've played board games with Colin, you know, it's, yeah. it's been, yeah. it's just, it's, it's weird now. It's, it's just like, yeah, I know, I don't know them well. I don't know them, know them. But I've been friendly with them in different ways where I'm just like, you know, they're just, friends now i would yeah. i think so and i'm not sure i feel comfortable i feel comfortable enough saying that i think they would say the same about me i'm pretty sure they would there's a connection um, there and but, it's not just it's not just you broadcaster them developer like there's something more personal yeah, there exactly exactly um and it's been the same with you know a lot of creators that have gotten the opportunity to, to interact with them but you know i've interacted with them in so many ways now um and even posts like me and my ex-wife you know, and and with Crucible and like the amount of Anet people who went over to there and you know drifted oh. back, mm -hmm. um, you know I shoutcasted and commentated Crucible and had the confidence, the same confidence in them there to do what they did, right? Um, and they had that in me again to do that for them. Okay, and when was um, yeah? So Crucible is one of the things that's on my list to to ask you about. Um, I wonder if before I do later. though, if I could ask you to share any thoughts you have about um it, so wow that was like a lot um yes i really need <laughs> i really need to give some verbal attention to the abuse that you, yeah, you that's mentioned fine. absolutely um just to acknowledge that i i hear that i heard that and you should be a counselor by the way I'm just and it was horrible <laughs> this is a very counselor thing to say that was 
Uh, <laughs> I'm not joking. It's all about validation. I'm serious. Well, I'm well, very uh, good. I, uh, I do consulting for my day job, which is kind of like uh, uh, counseling for lawyers. So Right, okay. There's, there's something there, perhaps. Um, I think in so. It, <laughs> in any case, um, that level of abuse is, of course, not, not acceptable. Um, no. I... I can almost sort of put myself in the place of of you when you mentioned that you received death threats that you chose not to pass on. It's a weird place to be in because I imagine on the one hand, you knew you were comfortable with some level of violence from your upbringing. So this didn't register yeah. for you the way it might register for like for someone like me who had a you know a pansy ass upbringing. When we say upbringing, I don't mean my parents and family. I mean we mean like school and stuff. We like talked that. about the pub, man. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. As long yeah. as it's just for anyone that's just randomly coming in, <laughs> I just wanted to pick up my parents or abuse or <laughs> Yeah, Jevro's great parents. Love Jevro's parents. <laughs> they were good people. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but then the the choice to not pass that on uh, it's it, it's it's almost kind of reminds me of the being too honest thing with the, with the drugs and the the American uh, process. Like yeah. if, if, <laughs> if, if if you pass on that information, then suddenly th there's a burden of action on whoever you tell, and it it's a very oh, uh, I understand. It's well, a very big one. thing to yeah. take that on yourself and say I'm going to mm. I'm going to take responsibility for dealing with this thing that I should not have to. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really tell. I didn't really tell anyone about that at the time. I mean, I think later on in counselling and therapy, like when I started to work through all this stuff, like yeah. and the abuse and the bullying and and that kind of, which is essentially what it was, and then it's essentially sometimes still is, um, because I think you know, I think most content creators get some kind of abuse or bullying or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'm saying that as a white man doing this sure, you know sure. a, and you know i'm part of the, the i would say the dominant society which the cultural you know, majority the, which is the most acceptable yeah, yeah the cultural yeah. majority um you know and, and at the moment on twitch is disgusting behavior going on there's people hate raiding you know the racism and and everything else that comes out is it's disgusting and intolerable it's and twitch does nothing about it um yeah the platform feels like it's teetering a little bit on some of these things Twitch is its own cesspool of awfulness that it, it, it just lets it lets this stuff boil over. It lets it um, manifest and curdle and mm -hmm. just become this this almost this worse monster, you know, that, that just comes together and it just seeps out everywhere and they don't do fuck all. Um, mm -hmm. And it's it's not good. Um, <laughs> but but you, you can't talk about that kind of stuff on Twitch because people don't necessarily want to hear about it. Well, um, what, what, what should Twitch be doing, do you think? Banning people. Yeah. A lot more people. And I know people can make accounts, but they can ban IPs. And I know people can get VPNs, but they need to control their um, broadcasters more about what they're doing. If someone does something like that, they don't give them a warning. They just ban them. Yeah. You get rid of them. I mean, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be... It shouldn't be like, you know, I know freedom of speech is a thing, but racism is actually a crime. Like, you can be like, you know, there are mm -hmm. hate crimes that exist that are not okay to be a part of. You can't just spread racial hatred around everywhere. That's like next level shit. <laughs> it's that bit like... Then yeah, it's the... Um, I don't know. It's a tough one. Like, there's the incitement to action idea, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I You think back to like the big... 
kind of current example, or I guess not as current anymore, but in, in America is the, uh, the January uh, uh, Capitol riots. And um, Donald Trump, se seemingly, did he make a call to action there? Um, was that, should that be a protected speech? It's a tough thing. Yeah, we're, mm -hmm. we're, in a, we're in a world now where all these major platforms like Twitch and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter are all having to make decisions about whether they're a, whether they're a, a um, they're having, they are facing the, the reality that you're describing yeah. while, while wanting to be a technology company. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, the kind of problems that you're, just, you're describing are the kinds of problems things like governments are designed to deal with regulatory bodies um not the things that technology companies are made to deal with and so it's and uh, so yeah. the what you're talking about about people being assholes people being racist like you can hand out bans for that i think one of the one of the weird dynamics that i see is like when you see um one of the tougher things is when you see communities that seem to be collecting and encouraging that kind of behavior but not doing it in a yep. way that's like on the nose oh no yeah it happens out of a lot on twitch a lot of white creators do it yeah specifically um, um and where they you know i would even say in the guild or Sue directory as well to avoid but huh. like that's another that's a little bit uh that might be a little bit too on the nose for some people but like i think not it's in me. every directory in all honesty mm -hmm. Um, the, if you think about the dominant culture on Twitch and you think about the creators that are represented at the top, it's mostly white men, um, you know, who are, who are there and, uh, you know, people are probably caught, you know, they might watch this later and they might say, oh, Jebra PMA and Jebra, you know, woke and all this shit. And it's like, you know, the stuff I do in terms of mental health counseling is thinking about everyone on this planet. And yeah. thinking about the people who aren't in a position to do the things that a white person is able to do and try to validate that experience and talk to them about their experience in the world that they live in that I don't know about. <laughs> um, and I can only empathize with them about that mm -hmm. rather than say, you know, I know. It's like, I hear you. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, you know, whereas I can understand, you can empathize because you can understand about loss and you can feel you understand about things you can't have, but you can't ever be like, I've lived that similar kind of experience because I haven't, ever been, haven't had to think about walking down the street and people crossing the road because of the color of my skin or a police car coming past and slowly driving past you. Yeah. Or having that conversation when I'm an eight-year-old boy with my parents about how I should act in public. You know, right. that's not an experience I've ever had or ever mm -hmm. will have. Um, unless I have, you know, a kid and this is with someone else who's not white. Um, and I'm not sure what we were talking about, but like in terms of Twitch, but like, you know, there is this very much, you know, there's privileged, there's still this very privileged experience on Twitch where if you're a white person, you're, especially if you're a streamer, you know, there, there isn't going to be racism for you. There's, if anything, you know, all the privileged white kids are watching you. And okay, there are people who aren't as um, well off watching there's people who are in different financial circumstances and everything else instead there's these kind yeah. of memes and stuff like pepe the frog and all this other kind of stuff they use to when they say that the twitch community have appropriated them in a way which is okay for them to use is not okay like in you know in my opinion um 
and all these different stuff. And you're just like, this is like things which just get casually thrown out. And who are they thrown out by? And who are they defended by? They're defended by white people at the privileged top end of Twitch and the people who just keep throwing this stuff out. The whole Pepe the Frog thing, if we want to go there, we can. But like, and I need to educate myself more, but it's pretty much about racism. And we're talking about like loads of stuff which is seated in, you know, Nazi flipping Germany here. And we're talking about so much stuff and just, it's just all awful. And, but like, apparently this is all okay to do. And like, there is no, there is no governing body, which is kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about mm -hmm. governing bodies and people being able to regulate things. There's no regulation on this stuff, uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. there just isn't. And it, really the regulators are the Twitch community. Uh -huh. Shout out to Twitch and the, the hashtag that come out, you know, Twitch do better, you know, uh -huh. Twitch get better. They come out and they say this stuff and then the hate rates come out, you know, last year it was all about Black Lives Matter and doing and, you know, really putting forward black creators, um, African-American creators, Asian creators, creators that, who aren't white and trying to get those voices and those people up into the upper echelons of Twitch so the community can be better represented by people who look like other people in the community and who yeah. aren't just white. Um, and now we're doing, we're back to hate raids, fuck's sake. It's like, yeah, but there isn't enough white people doing anything about this or talking about it enough other than the people who need to because of their image. And then mm -hmm. I feel bad saying that, but like, you know, this is the kind of shit I talk about on my stream. Um, and I talk about, you know, I talk about mental health and I talk about, you know, the person you're talking to right now is who, who's streaming. The person you meet if we go down the pub next week, um, mm -hmm. th this, is, this is the person you're going to be talking to. Sure, um, sure. And that's not that's never going to get me hundreds of viewers on Twitch. <laughs> it's never going to put me in the peaches, the teapots, yeah. the bogotas, the that upper echelon. Sorry. What 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 makes you think that 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 authenticity I, is working against you? I, and I'm not saying they're not off, authentic in their ways, but I'm thinking I think a lot of people don't like to hear what I say uh -huh. about these things. Uh -huh. If that makes sense, it's these very unconscious kind of. It's it's like, um, and I I kind of want to pull this book out. <laughs> I've I've not got it next to me, um, but I will have to give you it. It's, um, what is it? Good lord, I need to go and get it so I can actually tell you the author. Can you give me two seconds? I really want to get this book. Sure. Is that right? Yeah, I'm well, gonna get it. Chat. I'm gonna get for it. it. <laughs> give me a second to to think as well, which I definitely need to do. Meter geeks impressed. He's getting a book. Usually it's you. <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> okay, this is the book. It's called Race Talk. It's backwards. It's called Race Talk. Oh, I can read by, it. Okay. Uh, Harold Wing Sue. I uh -huh. don't know if you've seen, I don't know if you've ever heard of this book. I haven't. No. Um, it's a good read. But it's got on the front of it says understanding and facilitating difficult dialogues on race. Mm. Um, and basically, it's a book about how we can't talk about racism and we can't talk about our own <clears throat> our own racism essentially um our own biases pre prejudices and start having those conversa conversations to start enabling us to for change in, in the future to be more inclusive of diverse cultures and people yeah um it's a very powerful book and a lot of what i do with counseling is 
multicultural and it is about social justice. Um, mm. And that is something in the world that's very much needed. Um, but because of the internet, because of Trump and because of, you know, different things as well, <laughs> it's easier for people to be racist as fuck. <laughs> it's easier for people to be abusive, which is what we were kind yeah. of talking about before. It is. Sorry to completely move on to something. No, which no, is no. Very... No, this is this is this is the real stuff. This is what I signed up for. That's totally fine. Okay. Um, I'm very no, passionate about this stuff. <laughs> I I can tell, and I'm I'm really happy you mentioned it. Um, because right. I I want to talk to people about what they're passionate about. I want to get to know who they really are. Um, yeah. So, like, I'm having a lot of thoughts. Um, but I I feel like I want to clarify one thing you just said. You just said about um, mm. the counseling and this and the social justice. Um. Counseling yeah. is 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 usually one on one, right? Yes. Well, or group work. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, which and, is what I'll be doing as well. And um, how does the the social justice thing kind of figure into your counseling experience? What? Wh how would yeah, you generally true. characterize that? So, if I'm uh, like I'm a white man counselor, right? Um, and I'm community. I am. I'm a counselor who has even just a white client to be honest but a client who is not white who might be um god someone who's just not white basically yep okay. um and thinking about their experience in the world and understanding their experience but also their experiences of me as a counselor as their counselor uh-huh and thinking about what whiteness is to them and to me and uh -huh. thinking about you know white equals you know essentially power to a lot of people who aren't white, right? And right. who are the people in control. And in the, in the counseling environment, that means I've got a lot of responsibility to try and bring that to a place where they feel equal. Or right. I, we feel like we're equal, you know, because of inference of societal bullshit that's been put on us for, put on people for so long of how, you know, the white way is the way, essentially. Um, and that's just in counseling, you know, it's all about equality and justice and, mm -hmm you know, having an equal say, and that's the way the world should be, really. Yeah, um, well... But in counselling, you have to kind of bring that up, essentially. In sure. Way. My experience uh, receiving counselling, not giving it, um, yeah. uh, is that it, it kind of matches up with what you were saying there a moment ago about how it's super important to be able to establish rapport, uh, a rapport with whoever you're whoever yeah, you're absolutely. in counseling with, whether you're the, the counselor base, or the counseling. Yeah. It's the base thing. Rapport and it's kind and of, trust. If you haven't got that, it's done. Yeah. And it, it, it's kind of the responsibility of the, the counselor in, in that kind of a, a setting in order to manage that. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah. How does the person see you? Like, like um, I mean, I've, I've even been in situations with counseling where I'm, I'm a physically big dude. And yeah. sometimes I'll be, I'll be meeting with someone who is, you know, smaller and i'll know not to get all up in their face because i don't know what people have experienced and i think mm -hmm. that that's a big part of it right is respecting respecting the negative space that represents all the things about a person's life you do not know and in fact so much of the oh, things that you can never know even yes um or because they're ready maybe to talk about it or reveal it yeah or yet yeah, it, it because there they might even be there may not even be awareness of it when you start mm. the relationship, right? Mm. A lot of what, what you said, what you were saying, um, I, I kind of think of two different ideas. So one is um, a, a recognition of accumulated advantage. Um, yeah. I'm trying to find, what's the Bible verse? Um, let me see if I can quote this properly. 
the Matthew effect. Okay, so here's the, the verse in the Bible. It's Matthew chapter 25, um, verse 29. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Mm-hmm. Now that's a brutal sounding thing. That can mean a lot of things to, to a lot of different people. I've heard a lot of different people talk about this idea um, in a, a very simple way of relating it that I think most people have heard is the idea that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Mm-hmm. But the richness doesn't necessarily have to be monetarily. There could be other ways, right? Yeah. So let's think about, I'm, I'm going to practice some self-awareness here. Um, and, you know, spoiler, I've done this in the past, so this isn't on the fly. But um, and And... Talk about some of the accumulated advantage in my life that I've kind of learned about myself. So, um, I was a college dropout. Mm-hmm. College was not kind to me. I was not kind to it. I fell back <laughs> on my parents after college, which I was able to do because of a privilege that I hadn't earned. That was something that mm-hmm. they did, right? Yeah. And then I was eventually, <laughs> eventually, years later, able to start a career in technology because I grew up with a computer in the household yeah. and eventually an internet connection, which is mm-hmm. not something that I did. Right. Yeah. So that advantage put me in a spot where I could start a career without having a college degree in a lucrative yep. field. Mm-hmm. And I do fine. And that same advantage is what puts me in a position to now broadcast my voice out there yeah. because I understand technology. I've been fluent with it for almost my entire life. Right. I'm in my I'm in my my late thirties, more than half my life, and um, you're assuming Ben, <laughs> more than half your life, <laughs> please. <laughs> I'm forty this year. I expect to live past oh, like. Finally, I interview someone older than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, exactly. I'm older, I'm older than most Gildor secrets. Why are the geezers? Probably one of the oldest actually. Not I'm not older than Bogart though. He's older than. <laughs> well, that's comfortable. Bago uh-huh. honor the grandpa of Guild Wars 2. <laughs> Maybe some of the even some of the devs you've been if if you're older than you. Yeah, I, I I don't know, man. Um but uh so yeah, thinking about being old. And Bobby Stein on there, haven't you? I think he's older. Yeah, I guess I, I'm thinking more of commu- of people in the you're other on, on the other side of the community, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. A bit, bit of a different oh, Bobby good people. No. Nah. <laughs> oh god, I love Bobby. Bobby's the man. Yeah. Everyone I talk to. Awesome people, um, and someone who also I think really respects the this problem. I was talking about um, accumulated advantage, right? And one of those accumulated advantages is all the stuff that's transpired in the world up till when I was born and became an adult and started to get out in the world on my own faculties. Yeah. That that made the color of my skin mean certain things. That made the fact that I'm a man mean certain things. Yeah. Um, and those are things that I wasn't responsible for. I wasn't responsible for just like the computer in the household thing. Just yeah. like that having parents with some affluence was not something that I did. Mm-hmm. But if I can become aware of those things, then, yes. then I can practice more sensitivity about understanding where other people come from. And let me, let me think of a, a way of putting this. I mean, it's kind of like the idea of checking your privilege. Um, yep. But I see that as a, a subset of a bigger problem, which is just general awareness. You know, there's this fantastic speech that I've become totally enamored with by an American okay. writer named, named David Foster Wallace, also a white man, also had yeah. rich parents, 
grew up to be a philosopher, mm-hmm. you know, incredible writer. And he did this speech at a commence at a college commencement event called This Is Water, which in general, which if you haven't heard it, highly recommend it. It's like a 20-minute speech. Um, I won't do it justice. Mm-hmm. But it's a a call to action. No, sorry, it's a call to awareness. Yeah. And it starts with th- this simple, this simple um little little pithy parable, which I which I just love, which is so a couple of fish walking down the street. They pass by an older fish. And the older fish says, water feels great this morning. The two fish keep walking. One turns the other, what the fuck is water? Mm. You know? Becoming aware of the very things that are so commonplace that they become invisible is an act of, of it's a conscious act of choice that we must make, yeah. right? Or unconscious as well. Sure, it, it, it's something that, that we can become prey to. In fact, in this speech, one of the things that he suggests is that if you don't do this, if you don't choose how to direct your awareness, then yeah. you kind of regress to a default mode of engagement with the world, which, because we all experience the world through our own senses and our own skin, is this idea of, um, uh, the way he puts it is, it's an in- inherently selfish thing. We see the world yeah. through our eyes, the idea that the events around us are about us seems completely natural. And the only mm-hmm. way to overcome that, that natural sense that the things that go around around us are about us is with awareness, which yeah. is a conscious, deliberate act and a, a lifetime practice. Infinite jest, reader geek. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, one of the stories he tells in that speech too later on is a, a very classic kind of road rage story about... You're on the highway, you're in traffic with a bunch of people, and it feels terrible, right? You hate waiting in traffic. It's one of the worst human experiences you can have, right? This just insane uh, crawl of inanity and human and machine gore and this sense that there's something deeply <laughs> wrong with the world and the people in it, right? That's, th- that's what it is. And that sense will invade you if you do not check your awareness what and if you if you do check in on and 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 think clearly about what's happening around you you might realize that people around you might be in an even worse situation than you are more desperate than you are you might have a a guy with a sick kid trying to get to the hospital you might have you know uh, a a police officer who's coming off of a shift where he just had to he just had to shoot he just had to shoot someone in a, in a situation that he had no, con- had very little control over, and he had to act the way that he did. You yeah. don't know what goes on in people's lives, and you don't have to know. I think yeah. is the, is the sense. What you do is you have to admit the space for things you don't know. And in yeah. that sense, awareness. When when you engage in that act, the thing you become most aware of is how little you know. Exactly. Especially mm-hmm. about the lives of other people. Absolutely. And, you know, I thought a lot about the idea of, oops, I think I just hit a cable and my webcam came loose. Hang on a second. <laughs> Let me uh, Fonzie the machine here. It's a great pose. <laughs> uh, hopefully I don't come back purple. Oh. We're good? I think we're good. Yeah. I okay. think so. Okay. The reveal of uh, the green screen. <laughs> Yeah, th- this happened um, before we started today, and when I came back, my all the colors were weird. <laughs> so good, you're good. Anyway, um, so that that kind of idea, um, like I I've been in an interview 
process where I had to, or I wasn't, I was not thankfully the person who was responsible for making the decision. But I was, a, I was a senior member on the team and I was part of the process and I made a recommendation about hiring someone. Mm -hmm. And we had two people who we were considering. And one was uh, an Asian woman and one was a white dude with a beard, just like me. And one of the, the, the questions that came up is, well, okay, do we really want another white, white dude with a beard on the team? And we had to talk this, this problem out. Um, and we made, we made the, the, the choice we had to make at the end of the day, which, which was we went with the person who was going to add the most value to the team for their experience and the skills that they were bringing to the on board immediately. We went with the white dude. Mm -hmm. um, but we had to ask ourselves, oh, I hit the thing again. It uh, looks like you did, yeah. This, 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 um, the internet does not want you to hear this. Hang on, <laughs> hang on. We want to hear it. Just keep your hand away from the thing. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, I gotta stop hitting the desk for emphasis. All right, all right, hands off, hands off. Um, and it's hard to know how to act in that situation. I think, yeah, a, I think if you look at it without context it can be the thing that you that one might say is well we need to make sure that the person with the least amount of a privilege is the one that's brought in to equalize the problem and this is part of an approach to solve a bigger problem in our society and yeah. it makes me sympathetic to like affirmative action type initiatives for that reason because even even though those solutions might not make the most sense at the at the individual scale over a broad scale they could make a big difference. So I'm, I'm sympathetic to that kind of approach, even though I understand the, the specific reasons it might not seem to be the best choice for individual um, uh, roles or whatever. Yeah. I guess like the overall sense that I have when I see this conversation is there are voices on both sides of that kind of, um, let's say, schism um, yeah. about... about how to engage with 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 race problems? Um, sorry, not race problems. Let's put it a different way. Um, how to engage with uh, the major gaps in our culture between people? Um, yeah. And you see, I, I think I see voices on both sides that are very focused on what everything means to them as an, as individuals, and those are the voices that I tend try not to give too much weight to. In my in my consideration, um, because at the end of the day, where am I going with this thought process? It's not on me. <laughs> I guess this is just like this is one of the one of the, the 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 problems of our time. You know, I think back to when I was in high school in like the late nineties. Um, yeah, and the way that the homosexuals were treated in our in in, in Western culture. Think about the the crazy. Which is not a way. Which is not the word we should use even now as well. Yeah, I mean, I I might be I might be screwing that up. It wouldn't be the first time I've screwed something like this up out of ignorance. No, but that's that's totally right. That's awareness again, and sometimes that takes someone else pointing them out. Like you know, right. the term the term homosexual is highly offensive now. What what's the better term to use? Gay. Gay. See, I, gay, bisexual, lesbian, like whatever whatever you want to whatever they want to be identified as. But most people don't want to be identified as homosexual. Okay. Okay. Gay. Fair enough. But you know what I'm referring to. Or a member um, of the LBGTQIA plus community. Right. Right. Um, absolutely. There you go. But I, I think back to 20 years ago, the, 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 
their pla the, the place in Western culture that people in that community had versus how that how that's changed in the last 20 years as I've grown up. And yeah. it's it's changed dramatically to the point where we can have a conversation like this that if it, if it had happened on in a broadcast medium in, in the late 90s, people would have laughed. And maybe there will still be laughter. You can't control that. I mean, there's this but, phrasing and in, in diagnoses in the DSM-5 right now, which is the, you know, the mental health Bible, basically, for diagnoses, which uh -huh. they'll have, you know, in the in the version before this, you know, um, being gay was like a, it was a mental condition. Um, mm. And now, um, you know, the trans folks, like, basically, they have a, there's a diagnosis in the DSM-5 now, which is called gender dysphoria, which mm -hmm. is a, which is a, which is a disorder, you know what I mean? Like, and like things like that needing to be changed. Like there is a lot in stuff in the world, which is just like, like the, our terminology for things. Like you say the term uh, homosexual, like, you know, and many people still say that without knowing that actually, you know, people do find that, that phrase in, in as like a definition offensive. Like, and, and I'm not calling you out on that. Like, you know, that's something people just don't know. I don't like, mind if you call no me out on it. This Exactly. Like, you know, I mean, and, um, and it, it's like, you know, my dad still like, you know, people say these words and they don't know what they mean. And they oh. don't know because maybe you know, by the communities and everything else, but I'm lucky enough to have these conversations daily in my classes and programs uh -huh. to the point where, you know, I wouldn't have known to not say that word. You know, I wouldn't right. have known to say loads of words I said, you know, growing yeah. up um, as a kid, you know, saying, saying something was gay was meant that it was bad. You know, yes. oh, okay, we're doing like, do you know what Absolutely. I mean? And like, yes, you know, that, going out of that language is like changing so much about yourself because you're essentially changing yourself. And like you said, essentially at the beginning of this whole conversation, which is what it's about, is being aware about yourself, your language, and how your impact on you, how you impact other people in how you behave out there in the world. And that's right. essentially what, you know, we're talking about, right? Yeah. right at the beginning of this conversation with streamers, with the racism, with everything else, because it's how you act in a way is, mm -hmm. you know, is a role model. But people mm -hmm. don't want to see this stuff. People don't want to recognize this stuff because they don't want to recognize this stuff in themselves. And then when oh. we see streamers talking about things like they're talking about, I don't want to say exact streamers because I'm calling people out, but there are people I've heard talking about using these new phrases and talking about, you know, the depression or like talking about how they're depressed when they like, you know, oh, this thing happened. They're so depressed like in the game. Like, you know, they're using a term which is like a real term for like pain and anguish and stuff. OCD like, also used that way a lot of the time. Yeah, like exactly. Like oh. OCD, like people, when they say these things like that, oh yeah, I must have OCD. Like when, when I was talking to you earlier, I realized that maybe, you know, that may have sounded a bit like that, but I genuinely actually think I do have ADHD. <laughs> that's no, and concern. like that's, um, that's a funny thing. But, and like, but the, the, our, our yeah. language is, is referential by nature. Yeah. So it's yeah, hard, yeah, yeah. it can be hard to distinguish between, are we trying to evoke a sense of this thing? Or are we yeah. talking about, no, actually, this is the thing. Yeah, exactly. And this, there's people like, um, I mean, I, I don't like the term. I really don't like the term. Um, 
But like this is a term, but I shouldn't even be even saying that. It's bad. But there was a big thing, like especially in the Guild Wars Two community, where "cuck" was a word, written a phrase uh-huh. which is used, which is like "cuckold," and that's like yeah. a, a kink of a community, which is a pleasurable thing by a community which should be respected. Right. It's not a thing where you know people are saying this is this is a word which is appropriated by you know white flipping kids essentially yeah. like people in their early 20s were assuming this is a bad thing oh you're such a cuck or you're a simp or you're all these different words went to a community this is actually a very pleasurable kink oriented community they get yeah. behind these things and that's their thing and you mm-hmm. don't fucking yuck someone's yum as long as it's re- respectful and you know flipping yuck pleasurable to other people that's great you know, i enjoy mrpgs people don't fucking understand my life I yeah. don't fucking expect them to, but I don't give it, don't want them to go outside and start fucking talking bullshit about uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. You know, it's respectful. It's not hurting anyone. If it gets out of control, becomes an addiction, that's up to me to get myself out of that and other people to maybe talk about that with me. Right. Until it becomes anything like that, you know, that's my thing. That's my jam. You know, we've all got shit about us that, you know, we might be ashamed of. But mm-hmm. and to be fair, there are people out there who aren't ashamed about that shit. And I'm, you know... Fucking, yeah. All, all, I'm jealous of those people, but like, you know, you know I, you, I, do you kind of understand what I'm saying? I do, I do. And you know, I, I learned something interesting about um, Tourette's syndrome the other day. Um, mm-hmm. For those who don't know, Tourette's is is a is a neurological disorder where um, essentially uh, it causes people to do things like swear uncontrollably. Yeah. Um, and. What, it, what that turns out to kind of suggest is that there is a part of our mind that is concerned with swearing and knows what a swear word is. Mm-hmm. Being bad. Yeah, and it, it might say something like cuck, depending on the person. Um, there's a need to have these, these kinds of epithetical terms. And how do you pick them? Like we, the, the classics are like asshole, body part, uh, dick, body yeah. part. Uh, um, the C word. Yeah, which I was just about to ask myself if I want to say that one out loud because that that has a, a connotation, a, a pejoratively but feminine then women connotation. women have that word associated with them and yes. men have dick, which we can say, and which yeah. is worse. But and that's awful. It's, it's, it's more okay to say dick because men are understood to be in a more culturally dominant position than women, generally speaking. And th- that's it's wrong, isn't it? Well, I, I'm, I'm just trying to understand, man. I'm still not sure I know what's right or wrong. <laughs> when you when you get that, well, I mean, it's it's wrong in terms of the fact that that's the way it is. Like we should be like, you know, why is it that the the the, the essentially the body part of a, of a of a woman is the most insulting word we can say, right? And why is that for a start? I mean, that's an, that's another conversation for another day, I think. But like, you know, uh-huh. there's no and and then for men, it's like you know, and men use it. Like as sure. you know, openly about anyone or anything, um, and and it's it's that's a very awkward conversation to have, and one I'm not sure I'm <laughs> we should probably have right now because I'm not sure how to go there. Um, Maybe it shouldn't be okay the two of say. us having that conversation. Yes. Yeah, and I would like and to have a woman here which, to talk about that. which which casts <laughs> a light on this whole discussion, right? Because um, you anyone, know really. we're just we're just white dudes hashing it out. Um, how exactly. do we and I feel how bad we, about that as well. and, and I, I think the thing that 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 a lot of people in in positions similar to to what where I'm coming from, maybe you you can speak for yourself um, yeah. is that there's a sense of frustration 
with this idea of feeling guilty about that we should feel guilty about something that it doesn't feel like we're responsible for. And that's a very tough thing, I think, for a lot of people, especially if they're operating in a mindset, which is the idea that, like the default mindset that I mentioned about the, this kind of automatic sense that the world is kind of here for us. It's about that everything that happens around us is about us. And I, yeah. I, I say this not trying to point at other people as being bad because I do this too. Like it happens to me all the time. Every single morning yeah. when I wake up, I'm pretty convinced that the world is out to get me, man. My alarm's going off. I got a meeting to get to. You know, I got to feed the cat. Like, woe is me. I'm the most miserable human on earth. Of course, I'm not. Coffee typically helps fix that. A shower helps fix that. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's... Um, I'm deeply aware of the need to heal the, the, the cultural rifts that we have. And I'm also aware that we're in a time where the attention on those rifts is more, is, is, there's so many different ways to approach this problem. The reason I wanted to bring up the thing about um, the pejorative use of the, word, of the term gay, which was prolific when I was in high school. Yeah, um, absolutely. Is because the way that we see gay men especially, has transformed dramatically in, in most of Western culture that I've been a part of anyway in the last two decades. Yeah. And I think we're seeing similar shifts try to happen in other parts of our society where we're recognizing people who maybe we as a society should say, hey, like we want to include you people too. Yeah. Um, and it is an iterative process. It takes place over time, and it takes people stepping up and saying, hey, here's my experience. It takes people who are in a position to do so saying, I see you, I want to help you. And I understand why there is a kind of sense of wanting to opt out of the discussion, especially if you're someone who doesn't have it as a problem to face. If I'm me, <laughs> like, like, I'm a white guy. Like I don't really face racism. I don't have to deal. People have called me fat growing up, but you know that, that kind of fell off in the last decade. No one really says that anymore. Um, yeah. And uh, but I don't have to deal with this stuff. And because and if I don't engage my awareness, it becomes more easy or more comfortable to kind of mentally opt out of the that problem that is still yes. happening around me, yeah, yeah, yeah. but because that I don't I don't yeah. feel right. Yeah, that's what most people do. Most, well, most white, yeah. white people do. That's, You're not, seeing that's me... me assuming something, but I feel like that's the correct thing to say. And, you know, <laughs> what, one of the things, like, like a meta commentary on just the blabbing that I'm doing here is like, I don't... You're working things out, I think. You can see me working them out. I'm glad you said yeah. that because that's yeah, exactly yeah, the way I feel. And yeah. a big part of that is because it is it's so... Like I'm going to be a counselor or something, isn't it? It is <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm doing counseling here because I would never do that. On I am. I'm opening the I, door. It's not an ethical thing for me to do, but that was just me saying a thing. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I took it in the spirit it was offered. Okay. Um, but there are a lot of opportunities for um, I have found it difficult to talk to people about this. Yeah. Of course. Fuck yeah. It is people really hard. For this conversation, it man. is really hard They're to talk to people. Even people yeah. who know me well, even people who love me, it is very hard to open yeah. the door oh, on God. this. Parents um, and, and even brothers and sisters and best friends that you've known for, for God knows right. how long. No. And Absolutely. It's really hard because 
So can you imagine what having a community like is like on Twitch where you can have those conversations? And how many people are ready for that conversation who stick around I see what for you're those saying. conversations? I see what you're saying. That's, that's what I'm talking about. And that, like, they don't want those conversations. They don't and want that to be kind of highlights what you, uh, the, the, the tweet that you made that, that I was going to, that I thought what, what, what is what this is going to be about. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize there was this much on the other side of it. But you were being called out for being too woke or being cringe is what you said in your tweet. Yeah, because yeah. because you had said that you're working on um, trying to gender neutralize your language where you can. Yep. You know, walking around the city, and I do live in a city, if I meet someone who I befriend, some of the, one of the questions that that I might have been asked like a decade ago is, oh, are you, do you have a, a wife or a girlfriend? Are you married? You know, someone trying to get to know me. But these days, mm. I'm a lot more likely to be asked, "Do you have a partner?" Oh, no. People are are there's there's a cultural awareness of plurality there that is just a matter of leveling up over time. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that the the in that context, the most grievous error is can would be convincing yourself that you can completely opt out of this thing that's happening. That doesn't have to be your problem. Um, yeah. I kind of see, and I've said this in podcasts in the past, that like what I think I'm doing when I'm doing a podcast is I'm trying to collaborate with people with different experiences about understanding how to live. Yeah. And um, I, I also, I, I don't just mean that generally. I mean that quite selfishly. Like I'm mm -hmm. on a, I'm really on a quest, man. I'm really trying to figure this thing out. Um, and I don't remember where I was going to go with that. Oh, I, I think she yeah, tossed yeah, it back man. over to you, Ben. I've been good. like. I've been like jabbering. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Counselor Jebra strikes again. Sorry, dude. <laughs> this is good. This and and you're tired. It's it's tiring. It's not easy. It is at the same time you're trying to talk exhausting. about this stuff in a in a way where language is a very important thing to to use. Like language mm -hmm. is important. How we say stuff is fucking important. Yeah. How we say stuff and then how it's portrayed around the world on screen to, you know, there's 16 mm -hmm. people here now, right? Mm -hmm. But there's clips. This is on Twitch. This will go on YouTube. This is still something that my community might share around. Someone else who doesn't sure. like me could clip a thing where I say something and it may have sounded inappropriate out of context right. when we're having this conversation. So you have to be careful about your language, but also just how people talk about things generally you know and our wording about um just anything and 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 our even learning like i'm not saying that i am some pma hardcore i'm not like you know social justice warrior is used in a very negative way but i feel like some people when people use that terminology they're not ready to look at themselves in in a way where they can be like you know am i racist am i do I have these biases? Am I behaving in a way which might be considered, you know, not cool, basically, you know, and that's a very, very, very underestimated statement right there. Um, and because people just aren't freaking ready for it. And that's what this yeah. book is about. And I would go and say, like, especially because I feel like you would read this. Yeah. Uh, and I know it might be backwards. To you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but there's loads of books. There's uh, someone called D-Ray who's on Twitter and he writes about his own experience and he's got very intersecting um, identities. Now when we talk about intersectionality, we're talking about 
are different identities that in literally intersect with, with each other. So we're talking black, and this is for people who are reading, listening or watching. It's more uh-huh. of an educational thing for them, I suppose, or, or maybe for you, I don't know. But when someone is maybe black, maybe maybe they're gay as well, or maybe they're disabled. They intersect across three different um, identities, which all are very marginalized within our society. So not only dealing with being black, you're dealing with being black and being gay and being disabled, maybe. And he talks about how he is a a black um, gay man in the world we live in and how he participated in, you know, different protests and how he is a very big um, social justice advocate and obviously right. mental health and everything else as well i'm sure um, part of the complexity of of, uh, of living a life like that would be like not quite being accepted by what are usually supportive communities for any part of that that their identity right it's difficult because there is there is those because within those communities yeah exactly there is their own yeah their own things you know within the gay community there is racism within right you know um within disabled communities, there is also racism, you know, because these things are also in those communities. But then when you have a white, when you have white society, which is, you know, able or able bodied, um, white male, like imagine working, like imagine a person who is black, disabled and gay coming into a workplace, which is white dominated or something like that. Can you imagine the different things that could be, yeah, there's three different yeah, it's a, persons from. It's a harder hand to play, a much so, harder hand to yeah. play. Yeah. It's like, and it's about, you know, knowing about all this kind of stuff. And it's just a very interesting book talking right. from his perspective and then talking about police um, and, you know, police brutality against um, African-Americans. Yeah. And and just, it's just a really eye-opening book. And just all of this stuff, all this material I have from my, just even my program has just yeah. changed a lot of what, I feel think and feel not like I was before. I wasn't racist or anything before, but I definitely probably had biases that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. That I didn't really know, you know, like, you know, my mm-hmm. parents maybe had when they were growing up and things that are just inbuilt, which, you know, I'm very aware of now and I can make some, some change um, in my own life. And then, you know, talking about this kind of stuff on my stream at times when it's appropriate is something I feel like I should do and should put out into the world. If it's um, you, man. The best thing, best thing you can be on stream is you, right? That, that's what I believe. But I don't feel like there's not many people to do that. I don't, I don't think. And, and I don't mm. think that's a bad thing. I think that people need something. They need a thing where they can be, you know, they can see that cheery, happy face on, on stream every day and they can get their joy from that. They can get, they can see that memey, ridiculous person on stream and they can get their joy from that as well. You know, we're all different. Um, but I, I have a very, I want to put out my most genuine, authentic, real self, because that's important to me in everything I do. And that is my decision. But the thing is, I, I connect with the people in the hub community who are here now. Um, some of them, you know, they support me in what I do. And, and I probably... In a funny, in a funny way, like I think a lot of, I think a lot of partner streamers or a lot of people who have more viewers than me, maybe, um, or who hear that I do this full time and they see me having like lower than 40, 30 viewers sometimes, or sometimes they see me having more than that. Don't understand how I can do what I do. Um, one, I'm clever <laughs> about how I've done this because I've been doing this for a while. Uh, two, I have very, very supportive community. Um, 
and mods that really care about what I do and my message and they want to they what they believe that as well uh-huh. um and also just the support that they have like you know they will come out for me and if I need to pay the bills or if I need to do that to the other there'll be a, a ton of people who would just randomly be there to help me yeah. um and it's not a feeling I don't feel like it's a feeling of sorry for me thing I don't think it's like uh I don't think it's pity or anything like that. I think, mm-hmm. you know, they just genuinely want me to be there doing my thing every day. <laughs> I talked to um, I, I, I talked to Peachy about this last week, Aurora Peachy. Um, yeah. She told a story about how her community came together and kind of uh, collectively built her first legendary, Sunrise. And mm. they're on the stream. And how, how she felt, she felt very sure that that was a real a real um, genuine moment that was done by a community coming together to do something for that community. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't for her. It wasn't about her getting something. And for the community members, it wasn't about them like buying screen time on the stream, which is the thing that I think the sort of cynical argument of reducing those actions down to, but what I think what the truth that that cynical interpretation leaves off the table is that people need fellowship. People need other people. And mm-hmm. when there's One an opportunity to, when there's, you know, I, oh God, I'm tempted to call in another reference. Um, you know, one of the the streamers who I really admire is um, Healthy Gamer GG. You familiar? Um, yeah. You know them? Sounds like you have some thoughts there. I'll ask you mm-hmm. about that in a minute. But, <laughs> but uh, one, one of the things um that w- one of the questions i saw um the guy who's at the head of the stream a guy named uh dr k um yeah talk about was about this sense that that gamers often have about man i wish that like life would challenge me like i just need to be like put in a situation where i can really show my stuff um mm-hmm. we all have this sense of wanting to be a part of something bigger and twitch communities can and i think the main thing they do is serve that need for people. Um, and there's nothing unnatural about that. And showing up with your hard-earned resources, your energy that you earn from your job, or however it came to you, there's nothing unnatural about that at all, I think. So anyway, um, about people coming together, and I, I wanted to say that about uh, your anecdote about people in your community coming together to support you. And when there's a moment when you need it, you, the person who's the kind of face of the community, of course people want to jump in and be a part of um, facing the dragon, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. I get what you're saying. It's not even, and it's not even like, um, because I I just, I guess I say, I guess I'm very, par- I've always been very paranoid about as well about uh, getting help from people because I've always very much tried to just go on my own and I still very much do. Because of what we've talked about throughout this podcast. Yeah, it's just like, you know, there's me always just taking risk and it's always me alone. So accepting money and and subs and all the other things, like, is a very Uh, big experience for me. Um, Really? Okay. Even someone subscribing once is like, you know, like, why are you giving me this thing? You shouldn't be helping me. Like, there's a very big battle that goes on within myself. Uh Um, When I get a subscription, when I get a donation, when I get a... When someone helps with a sponsorship, like today, like people helping with this um, Vikings clan sponsorship we're doing at the moment. Okay. Um, 
and uh, anything. So it's very, it's very difficult to, because I essentially am selling myself. I am the experience, but like mm-hmm. I always talk about the community. I never say my community, and but I because I very much talk about it's the stream is its own thing, and the community yeah. is the experience and the thing that people buy into. They're not yeah. buying into just me. I am just the face of it. Right. Um, you are serving a role within the community, just mm-hmm. the most publicly visible role. Yeah, yeah. That's how I like to see it. Uh-huh. And when when people take talk about their communities and stuff on Twitter and and everyone else, they always say my community, and and it always it always interests me that saying. And I, mm. I think that's fair that. People can say that they've earned that because it's formed around them. You know, I've so thought that too. Them, but it's oh, not sorry. really theirs. It's, it's when they say, and this is just my opinion, and we all have different experiences of this. But whenever since someone says my community, I always think, well, it's, it's you kind of, it's around you, but it's not yours. Because right. there's many people in that community which form it. Yeah. Like without you, maybe it wouldn't exist, but they would exist elsewhere in different communities. And right. it's a culmination of many people. It's like... It's like you're the seed, but you're not the yeah. fully grown tree that comes from it. Exactly, yeah. Like, okay. I think a, a community is where, you know, the best communities are the ones which thrive around people not being the center of the attention the whole time. Because, yeah. like, you know, they're talking to each other. And yeah. still creating these connections within this group, yeah. um, and that's the important thing for me that I, I want to always achieve. Like, I think of people a lot. You know, I don't. I do talk in my Discord a bit here and there, but I don't talk about. Don't talk all the time um, to try and encourage growth or to get partnership and all this kind of stuff because yeah. I want that to kind of thing to develop naturally. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and I want that to happen with people like that guy in check called Demonic, who's an arsehole. Um, <laughs> but like, um, um, but you, you know what I mean? Like, I know these people well. Uh-huh. Know, all the people in chat, they're they're awesome members of my community. There's a couple of mods there, Rage Geek King Jacktress, who I've known they're for following so long. you here. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean that's it. Like I've, I've tweeted out a couple of times, I've put in Discord, but they're always there. And like this, some these people I consider my friends. Like I know them very well now. Um, and you know, there's Zorik in there as well, who you know, I've been on podcasts yeah. with, you know, um, interacted with many, many times now. Um, there's no, uh-huh. there's loads of people in the chat here just hanging out and they're chilling. Um, but and, and some of them have been here for ages, some of them know me when I was doing my casting back then. They've, you know, I might stream a random game, I might get a 10 viewers, but they're there, and and mm-hmm. I know that the Twitch viewership is not a representation of me. Um, and in this, it's still, it's difficult mm-hmm. on days where there's like, you know, and I might say out loud, like something like, you know, oh, it feels really quiet in here. I might get pop off early and, mm-hmm. and I say it out loud, but the, I, cause I put these thoughts out into the world and that's what I uh-huh. do. Um, and I'll do it. I'll go, I'll leave early or whatever. But the, the thing is, is that the stream isn't the be all and end all. The viewership mm-hmm. isn't the be all and end all of that. And I think there's always this push for likes and viewership and everything else. Whereas viewer, actual viewer numbers are important, obviously, because there's more people, it's more bodies essentially donating, subscribing and doing all this stuff. 
what happens if you move game? Like, what happens if your schedule fits switches? What happens if you're like, you know, that stream isn't there anymore? Does your community just immediately fall apart? Mm-hmm. Like, what happens? Like, if I didn't stream for a month, I know that I would probably be fine. Mm-hmm. Probably. Like, from the different places where monetarily maybe I'm supported, probably I would have difficulty for sure, yeah. Um, but if I came back in a month, I know that that would probably then be okay again. And I'm not saying I don't have any anxieties about these things. I always do. Every single day, I'm filled with anxiety about how many people are going to get in the stream. Right. Because I'm not a teapot. I'm not a Nora Rapucci. I'm not a bogger. Or I'm not a... And I compare, my, see, I compare these, myself to these people every day. Yeah, whereas I feel like... Whereas they 100% compare themselves to other streamers as well every right. day. Right, right. And it bounces up. Do you know what I mean? So it's like... But uh-huh. my, I am so everywhere. Like I am literally like t- tomorrow I could stream and I could have 30 viewers. Next day I could have 150. Sure. The next day I could have 12. <laughs> like my, it really is like a massive a swing. Uh-huh. And I just risk it. I'm just, I just do whatever I m- want most of the time. Yeah. But I still have in the back of my head, like that didn't work so i won't necessarily do that like i really love playing sea of thieves for example sure like i really love playing sea of thieves but uh-huh. the community just isn't there for that so uh-huh. what do i do i go and commentate it to get my fix uh-huh. like i get my fix of what i need to do in a different way right like and i've hosted now now i've been actually presented on the official sea of thieves twitch channel as well that's cool I've been doing that recently it's very cool yeah. that's awesome i have my own show there for like a, a one section one session the other week as well and it was mm-hmm. like i am known to a lot of people to a lot of developers to a lot of people in different communities mm-hmm. i'm not a massive streamer but people know who i am and right. that is i feel like that's, that's a, pretty cool it is <laughs> I'm man i'm very proud of that it's a and very i'm proud of that it's a very different kind of currency to be well connected yeah. and to have trusting relationships with people who are in the in the business and the industry. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I I understand like like it's it, it's kind of natural in any kind of and I'm going to use the word hierarchy here, but I, I use that term very kind of loosely. Um, I'm thinking about Twitch yeah. viewership here. It's natural to look at any kind of hierarchy you're, you're in and look at the person who you, you feel is above you or and exactly. try to and you know the good thing about doing that is to try to learn from people who are getting more attention. It's yeah. hard though to take the, that learning in context. Um, exactly. Like, uh, j- j- just a brief anecdote of my own, if if, if you'll indulge me. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I'm pretty new to the whole content game. I've only been doing this since the start of last year, and I I didn't really understand what streaming would be for for me. Why I would do it. There's even an argument to, for what I'm doing here to be done offline. Um, I think the reason that I I stream these podcasts is number one to give people a chance to be here for it, um, and number two, it's because it it's what gets me dialed in. It's what I need. I have this like performer part of my personality. Always have. Um, I think it's from being a choir boy growing up. But uh, <laughs> but then what else is there? For a little while, I, I experimented with streaming myself playing games, and I kind of figured out okay, that's not what I'm about. So one of the things I, I've tried, I've really learned about is that or I've learned about myself is that it's to not compare myself too closely to people who are concerned with streaming themselves playing video games. Because yeah. it's almost like the fact that we're both on Twitch and there's a viewer number next to our names suggests that we're part of the same hierarchy, but really yeah. we're not. Really there are differences. And I think that's sort of kind of a little bit what you're saying. Like, yes, you may not have most people viewing you on Twitch on any given day, but there are parts of what of you and who you are 
things that you recognize that allow you to have these relationships that maybe people who are going for those big numbers don't get. Yeah, absolutely. And also just the opportunities that I get in comparison to them that actually might have a lot more weight and worth than I maybe even realized myself. Like, Dude, like you've being- been partnered with so many different games that I've heard of. Like you... You, of yeah. course, Guild Wars 2, we talked a bunch about. We didn't, we didn't even talked about Elder Scrolls Online. We haven't even talked about Crucible. <laughs> we haven't even talked about Sea of Thieves till you name drop that. Like, all of those is just like, bang, bang, bang. Like, this is, this keeps happening to you. Yeah, it's because of opportunities. It, it's funny, like, and <laughs> I'm going to tell you something about my own personal counseling. I, I actually still have a counselor. I still have a therapist. Um, sure. And uh, when I first went and saw her, she, it, she <laughs> it's probably even this phrasing is going to be incorrect, but this okay. is what I said or thought at first. I thought she was very, very much a hip, very hippie counselor. Right? Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and <laughs> that's such an awful word to use. Right. Um, but she, she thinks she talks about um, tarot. <laughs> she does like a lot. She does some tarot stuff, but she's mm-hmm. very much like clinically trained. And she okay. kind of has, there's all this math, there's this mathematical stuff which she drops in as well. Um, and it's mm. not really necessarily that kind of stuff which has meaning for me, it's, it's how she links it to me and sure. how I get my own meaning from it. Because I've said to her, you know, yeah, I'm not sure this is my jam in all honesty, but I get what you're saying, but I can totally understand this because of yeah. my life and where this goes. Um, and she was basically talking about, before I told her anything about this, mm-hmm. she was talking about my, um, the feeling she got about it. I think she gave me like a reading, which was very about my life and what I'd been doing in my life and everything else. And she saw the opportunities that I'd taken. She said something mm-hmm. to me and she said, as long as you are always create, creating opportunities for yourself, you're always going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then I said something, and then I was thinking about, and then I started talking about my life and I was like, I've always tried to create opportunities yeah. for myself. Yeah. Kicking down like, the door is what I was saying earlier. Yeah. Exactly. I totally agree with that. And and like I am very privileged. And again, it's important to recognize that mm-hmm. I've been able to do that. Um for a start. So I recognize and understand that. Um, but at the same time, I, I have done that. And it is, you know, it is something I can, you know, be proud of and and yeah, I've got privilege to do that. We're into a point where, you know, I want to make sure that I also put into the world um this things that i learn about myself and try and maybe influence or be a role model to people to do better with to do better for themselves to do better yeah. for the people in the world and the communities in the world that that need that need people like me a white man to speak up for whatever whether or not it's social justice whether or not it's equality whether or not it's um for you know <laughs> I don't know whatever cause you want to talk about, but um yeah, man, the human experiment has human yeah. solutions. Like yep. and you're just yeah. you're just putting your you're stepping in and saying, I'm part of it. That's exactly. what it's all about, man. Yeah. And it, you, you all you can do is and again back to that kind of all the different things, is is my life and how I like to live life and how I want to live my life. Uh-huh. Um, and that's by experiencing as much of life and as much of people that I can as until the day I die. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it's funny in a way because over the last you know five years I've been very stationary in my where I've been physically. But 
yeah, physically, but I've been able to branch out online and do these different things in a different way. And I feel yeah. like, whereas I would like to go out more and do more things, obviously COVID helps to stay at home a little bit more and do yep. that. Um, I still realize that I have my anxieties about going out into the world and doing my stuff. Internship is coming up next month and I'm nervous as fuck. Sure. Um, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to do it and mm -hmm. do my best. Um, and I know I will. Um, and I know, you know, streaming is going to take a, a drastic change. That's going to be a big, big flip, like how that's going to work. That's my job. That's how I pay the bills. Yeah. Um, it's scary to so look, look ahead to that and be like, I'm not sure how it's going to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it all changed, like, because it's practicum. And then, you know, they, and some of these guys are hearing it. But see, I said guys, right? So that's like, already in my head. I've said the wrong yeah, thing. Yeah. These, these folks. Yeah, see, exactly. But I say that as well. Whenever I say something like that, I always say, right, I've got to make sure I at least acknowledge that so that I mm -hmm. know that, again, I said it's so long and it's not like, you know, you know, one of my favorite um, words that I learned from living in, in the South for a bunch of years, y'all. Great word. Exactly. Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, I've said folks a bit more. Personages, I say. Peeps. Personages? <laughs> Oof, that's rough on the tongue. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's why I say peeps more now. Peeps, yeah. Peeps okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's not, not easy. stereotypically manly or anything, but, you know, stereotypically manly is, is toxic masculinity, so fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah well i mean like th there are aspects of there are aspects of, of masculinity that are good it's it's oh. when things are overbalanced or unaware that they can be toxic right and i think that that goes for anything mm -hmm. but i'm not trying to excuse toxic masculine behavior absolutely sucks fuck it and it, it, it's it's doubly bad because um in a lot of situations men are in a culturally dominant position so it's like the thing that you abhor, the, the thing that we all instinctively abhor is improper use of power. Um, you know, we're in the political conversation, every single conversation, like um, there's this, there's this passage on our biblical passage that I think of. Um, uh, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to quote it exactly, but it's, it's one we've all heard about. Um, uh, Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Right, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. it it sounds like it sounds like a validation of submissive or passive behavior. Um, I've done some some research on it, and my understanding of it has evolved to because um, what 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 I understand that the word meek has changed over time. Um, it used to be that meek uh, actually meeking was a process that described the breaking of a wild horse into. Um, a working horse, especially war horses. Um, and, mm -hmm. and so meeking, being meek, the, when that word was used the way it was when it was translated, could more accurately, potentially, and I'm not an authority on this subject, just a lay person who's very curious, um, yeah. be understood as blessed are those who are strong and practice restraint, for they shall inherit the earth. People mm -hmm. who have ability but also the awareness to wield that power properly. Fuck. How right? many people? <laughs> it's like, so blessed are hardly anyone. <laughs> right. And that's why it's, that's why that, that interpretation of that, of that passage compels me so much because it is, it is a, an aspiration 
to a human yeah. quality that we all instinctively recognize and that we all wish for ourselves and for people who we know and love um, yeah. to become competent and then to use that competence to do good. And doing good yeah. doesn't, doesn't just, it means both doing good for yourself and it means doing good for the world around for you. In the world, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, you don't get to opt out of the world and you don't get to opt out of yourself. Cause well, that's, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Many people do. And like we were talking about that earlier with Twitch, many people do. Like many people don't talk about that shit. Like, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot like, especially in like to harp on, it might sound like I'm harping on where people watch this video and like, oh, Jimmy's been people. But like, <laughs> but like, you know, it's important. And this is the thing, this is that, even that's coming up in people. And that is a rejection of thinking and talking about it. Uh -huh. And being in the world with other people that aren't, aren't privileged, like the person who probably thought that exact thing that I just said. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, part of the problem on Twitch is the, is the privileged people that don't talk about this kind of stuff. The right. people that say, you know, I don't want to talk about politics and religion on this stream. Opting out. Because it yeah. is like, this isn't the place to do that. We just want to have fun. Now, people that yeah. do do that—that that is fair and not like. I mean, you manage your community the way you want to do it, and it yeah. become it, the only way that kind of conversation becomes disrespectful and mean is because and horrible uh, is because of the community that you form to have those conversations in the first oh. place. If your stream can't have a respectable conversation about religion or about politics or about race or about anything like that, then one your community and you are not mature enough to be in that place to have that conversation and that's fair and understandable and you've got some learning to do and so is your community and that's okay mm -hmm. um but like you that is the kind of community that you are part, the head of essentially when i know earlier we were talking about communities and being the head of right, it right at the end of the day you are the one who is on screen and your behavior is role modeled out to your role yes. model is absolutely out to your community the way you act the way you behave will be a model to the people who would be attracted to your stream mm -hmm. if i am in this way where i am attracting people who are respectful who are thinking about on people outside themselves who are you know a bit ridiculous and don't mind about being silly and putting themselves out there you know i'm going to attract those kinds of people hopefully um mm -hmm. and sometimes you know that is too real for people and a lot of the time they don't want that all the time and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, <laughs> and some people want to be small or smiles and, you know, pretty lights and colors all day, every day. And that's, that's fine. You know, and people, like I said earlier, that they need that. And then sometimes those are the people who will not be able to have those conversations within their community without it erupting or without the fear of it erupting as well. And that's yeah. happened. That's that ha those conversations happen in, loads of channels every day in a very like disrespectful way and where people from diverse and marginalized communities feel very 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 left out yeah yeah absolutely or or you know attacked or any any word which basically basically singles them out um mm -hmm. and they won't they won't be able to speak out about this because they want to be part of that group they want to be part yeah. of that popular part of society or that popular stream or that mm -hmm. popular whatever so our responsibility as streamers as broadcasters um and people talk about this a lot of the time on on twitter and you know 
I, the section I get on Twitter is very heavily catered to me and my interests and is always talking in its own bubble about this kind of yep. shit every single fucking day. Yep. Is we must respect people, racism is bad, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that is not getting outside our bubble. Mm-hmm. The only time it gets outside our bubble is when someone abusive comes in and com- comments on that, then the bubble rally around this one person, call them the worst, that mm. they are shit person that they are the worst thing ever. Right. And then that person is exited out of the conversation. There's no change and nothing happens at all. And that is the problem with doing that kind of thing. So like whenever anyone comes into my channel and there's some kind of abuse or there's something said against me or there's some kind of racist remark, I first say, and I say this to the mods, and and it's taken a lot to get them to also do this as well because I feel like our community are able to take this kind of conversation and to talk about it yeah and to not single the person out and mm-hmm. say you know you're awful mm-hmm. you're terrible you know we want to ban this person get them out straight away so have a conversation with them in chat and so let's say that i can have that conversation if i can have that conversation as the person who is on screen seeing right. this person verbally abuse me yeah. or say something about you know pma shit or being woke or whatever then that allows them to maybe bring out the strength in them to have those conversations, not only just in chat, but with people in their family, with people at home, with people, at, with friends, with people in their workplace. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that modeling is an important thing to do yeah. for my own sake um, as my yeah. influence on Twitch and the community that I, I try to kind of have. I totally love that. I, I totally love that and appreciate that. No, and resonate that with makes that. sense. It does. <laughs> it does. No, and and I, I, I actually want to reflect um, what I think is a relevant anecdote that kind of has a similar vibe to it. Um, right. Because like a couple things occur to me. Number one, just very quickly, like when you're in a culturally dominant position in a in a in a debate or difficult situation, opting out is almost like an un. It can be an unconscious act. Uh, I don't like to use the word oppr- oppression lightly. I mean, I really don't like to. It's a really heavy word. It is in a oppressive. Lot of ways. But, right, and it, it's it one of those oppressive. things to be aware of. And it's one of the reasons I don't like to opt out of these kinds of issues. I think, like, for me, when I kind of first realized that this is the way I wanted to be on my stream was mm. uh, a very stupid little snipey comment someone made on my stream. Um, at, at the start of this year, in 2021, I started doing every single week a solo stream, which is up, up till then, all my conversations were with people. But I started doing my own thing, calling it Deeg Thoughts. Very, very clever. Um, some people understand that I'm <laughs> punning on deep thoughts. And then when I explain that to them, I feel very stupid because I thought that was obvious. But anyway. Um, Self degradation doesn't fly with me, my friend. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> anyway, I was talking about an issue in the, the Planet Side community, Planet Side 2. Yeah. Uh, so the sequel to Planet Side 1. And some guy just drops into my stream and asks me what my character name is in game. Mm-hmm. And then and then it says something along the lines of, and I can't remember exactly, something along the lines of, oh yeah, you're a fat nerd. Figures you figures that, that, that you play Vanu or something like that. I can't remember exactly what he says. He made fun <laughs> of my appearance and linked it to my to my stats. So the guy insulted my my ability to play the game, my 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 fitness for, for commenting on the game. And the way I looked, all in one, all in one go. Damn. And it's like, I was right at the start of my stream too, so it was like, Bruh. but I took that, and I, I, I took that, and I invited the conversation. 
I invited yeah. this person to talk to me. And mm -hmm. they, they still haven't accepted my invitation because, but and ever since then, I've kind of realized, oh yeah, like if I want to be anything, if, if I'm going to make any progress on understanding what all of this is about, I cannot opt out of the stuff that's uncomfortable. And I've been looking at like everything's been, everything, everything that's been going on with Activision Blizzard lately. Oh God. And which Jesus. is a fascinating, uh, which is a terrible shitstorm that also, I don't know. I, I don't, it is a very complicated and difficult situation that is, that is a unfortunately useful shorthand for a broader problem. And, um, it just sucks. It just sucks. Absolutely. And you know, one of the, the things that I've had um, trouble with in contending with that problem is watching what looks like what looks like WoW creators taking this moment in the over the life course of their game that they care about and using it as an excuse to get on their pulpit about what's wrong with the game, right? Oh yeah, things things at Blizzard are bad, but you think things at Blizzard are bad? You won't believe how bad it is for me when I play this game. Is the sense that I get right? And when you hear stuff like that, it kind of makes you cringe. Well, it's the it's the privileged part of that that person's you know life that they get to play this game, and they they then they completely separate themselves that's the feeling i get they separate themselves from the experience that's actually being had or even having the conversation right. about it in the first place and that's fine like that's yeah it's i was gonna say yeah cringe is a very very light well hide way of saying <laughs> probably what many people feel because right? i or maybe yeah. even what you feel about that no like, I, um, I i think that's fair like i i don't want to be overly hyperbolic about it because i'm not trying to sensationalize yeah. it. i'm trying to treat it seriously yeah but yeah you know i one of the things i try to remember and especially, it's it, there's this interesting duality, right? There's this there's this interesting, um, perhaps you call it a, di like, a dialect. It's important to say that some people are just not ready to talk about shit like that as well. And like, I'm not trying to. I'm there's something I really want to make sure that I I say as well is that I don't. Again, I don't think that I am some kind of better place than most of humanity or anything. Or like, so I'm some kind of high and I make mistakes every day. I'm a fucking moron most of the time. But like, you Me know, too, bro. It, and I'm just trying to say I'm trying, trying to do the best I am trying to do and some and a lot of people you know it took me till I'm almost 40 you know to get to this point where I can think about other people in this way um, mm. and you know it it's not necessarily something everyone's able to do um, and there's got to be some empathy in that as well in the fact that some people just, just can't and it's, it's not even empathy it's just understanding that's not an easy thing for everyone to do because of their family because of their friends because of the position they're in but they have but white like people who are in dom part of dominant society before any change can happen have to look at themselves and their privilege and if they don't there will be no yeah. change in this world yeah, um, and that's I want, just, it, yeah, just a hard fact really i i agree with you too um and the interesting thing is like one of the things that really provokes one of the things that really provokes awareness is pain, right? Yeah. Um, so, I think for me, what for me, I think it's I think it's important for everyone to aspire to awareness of where they are, what their actions mean, what their words mean. But it's kind of like, you know, we're talking about people in 
more advantageous positions in the world. I kind of tend to think of it in terms of like parent-child at times. I know this is a very like, um, nope. let's say an, an exaggerated sense. framework of, of, of looking yeah. at this problem. Like someone who is, is a, um, anyway, you, you understand what I mean. Um, I but the reason I bring this up is because in, if a parent and a child are involved in a, in a situation where there's, there's, a, there's a problem, we all understand that the person with the most advantage is the person who has the most responsibility to address the problem, right? With advantage yeah. comes responsibility. It's the old Spider-Man aphorism. With power, mm -hmm. with great power comes great responsibility. Mm -hmm. And accepting power without accepting responsibility, which is another way of looking at wielding power poorly, yeah. is, is one of the, the things you don't want to see in the world. And... Um, it's a hard thing, you know. the 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 sword of Damocles hangs over the all the leaders of our culture. I look at like some of the biggest streamers in the world who I think are getting this wrong, and they may or may not be wrong. Um, you know, I don't have all the information about their situation, or I'm not heavily involved in their community, whatever it is. But being in a position where you have that kind of spotlight confers a tremendous amount of responsibility. And the thing that 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 I think sickens me most when I when I when I watch people who are in those positions where everyone's looking to them is when they deny that they have power over a situation when they yeah. see the power flowing into them from the world the community tens of thousands of viewers hundreds of thousands of dollars connections advantage and they say oh people just want to watch me play video games or whatever whatever it is people want to watch me sit in the bathtub i don't know i'm making it up but well, no, I mean, the, you know, there's <laughs> yeah, a yeah. director to it now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, have respect, it, I have massive respect for those not, people because they're just, they're, that's their hustle, man. Yeah. That's their hustle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is that no human gets to, I, I have this deep sense and I'm testing this sense. I don't want to state this as like, an, as like a maxim, but I, I think I see this reflected in your own approach too. Is that I have yeah. this deep sense that no human gets to opt out of these human problems, really. And opting out is just choosing to ignore. And the things that we choose to ignore can come back to bite us. Mm. Problem Man, is, is that might not happen in their lifetime. Yeah. It will, it will happen to other people. It won't yeah. happen to them. Jebro. Because they're shorted from that. Yeah, man. Listen, I want to give you a chance to say anything else you want to say about this topic. And then I want to take five. Can we do that? Um, yeah, I'm not sure how we've been going for a fair while, have we? We can call that. this thing, bro. Like, I have been having such a great time talking to you and hashing out yeah. these difficult things. Like, I, I just, we've been going for it for three hours. I didn't even realize. I uh, know. <laughs> I was just realizing I, ne I needed to, you know, deal with my bladder again. So, yeah, same. yeah, yeah. No, we can look, we can put a pin in this. Um, you know, we need to obey the, the, uh, the limitations of space time. Uh, so, uh, I mean, how long, how much, how much more, what more, what other topics do you have? Oh man. Like I just wanted to talk to you about your experience in these other games and these other communities. Like I, I know that you got involved with okay, Paragon. We can do that. Crucible is interesting, but I, I really do got to pee though. <laughs> we can pee. Well, how about we pee and I can go for like another like 20 minutes. minutes. Oh, okay. So maybe, maybe like maximum like 40 minutes. All like, right. Yeah. 
I don't want to make it uncomfortable for anybody. So let's take five. We'll come back. It's, it's no uncomfortable. It's just unfortunately, when we when we get older, we got responsibility. Oh <laughs> yeah, the absolutely. Thing. I could talk about this all night. I'm good. That's I'm like I'm, it's it's been a good conversation for sure. Good man. Yeah, I've been enjoying it too. I hope everyone we'll see how it goes. It. All I've got to do is drop a car off and get home. It's just how much that Uber is going to cost me. <laughs> yeah, bro. Hey, look, I. So yeah, okay. Let's take a couple of minutes. I'll, I'll check yeah. back in, in with you when we get back. If you still want to go, we'll go for however long you want. Yeah, we um, can go for a bit longer. Yeah, for sure. All right. I'm good with that. Be okay. right back. Run, pee. And we're back talking with Jebro. Just had a, a stimulating conversation all about the, the schisms in our culture and our society and what, what responsibilities we have for engaging with it. But we're going to move to lighter fare here to wrap things up. Jebro, we're gamers. You yeah, play no, games. Games you, game. you not you have not just played a lot of games, you have streamed a lot of games, and you've been partnered with the companies who who uh, work on these games, which is a, puts you in a pretty unique position. Uh, I imagine yields unique perspectives. So one of the things I am most curious about asking you about is Crucible, if I may. Yeah. yeah. So Crucible sure. was one of three titles that was announced by Amazon Game Studios at the time, newly formed, I think. Back in, I think, TwitchCon 2016, if I'm remembering right, alongside New World, which is now being released worldwide in about a month, and Breakaway yeah. is long dead. Um, mm. <laughs> and uh, it, oh, dear. interestingly enough, Crucible seemingly had um, a bit of overlap with uh, Arena, and with, where some, where some uh, Arena alums went to go work on it. Um, yeah. You know about that more than I do, so I'll ask you about it. But yeah. unfortunately, yeah. Crucible had a, a really rough launch. Didn't mm. seem to grab an audience. Went back into beta in twenty. Was it twenty nineteen? I think it was. May no, twenty twenty. It was last year. It was last year. Yeah. Last year. Um, and then uh, so it got put back in its cage, back into beta, and then it got uh, mm. canceled altogether. Um, so tell me, and I, I know for a fact I saw you casting Crucible matches. How did you get connected with Crucible? Yeah. Um. So I moved over here back in December, so Christmas-ish, just before Christmas 2016. And it didn't take long for me to get, like, you know, um, I think Colin had left by then, and I think Josh had left by then, and some others. Uh-huh. Um, and they still had connections with Kolaris, who's a big caster, you know, and some other peeps. So they wanted some feedback on the game. We got invited to go out there and check out Crucible quite early. Cool. Um, and so I got to see a lot of the systems and what the game was about. Um, and obviously, like, you know, um, hang out with, with the peeps. There was, uh, you know, John Peters as well, who was very much a big part of Arena Net, big part of the balance, big part of the combat system. Right. Um, and John Corpening, who is big in uh, Guild Wars 2 Arena Net as well. Uh -huh. uh, there was some of the, uh, there was people from art, there was people from sound, there was people from PR, there was people from everywhere in Arena Net working there. You know, Mike Z, who was the director of um, ArenaNet as well for a short period of time, he ended up working there after ArenaNet. He went straight over to Amazon as well, huh. um, which not a lot of people know. <laughs> yeah, it was done very quietly. Um, yeah, it was very quiet. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, there was, it was very exciting. The game was way, um, the game was very good. They didn't know, I don't think they know what they had until it was too late. Um, mm. And also, I think Amazon, the people up up above, uh, pushed for a, re a release, um, and it wasn't ready. Mm. 
Um, and if it, it hadn't, time, if it hadn't been pushed out, yeah, if it hadn't been pushed out, then it would have been a very different story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, they would have had a pretty good title on their hands. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of where it went to. And, and at the beginning, uh, in all honesty, when I played it, I couldn't connect with it at all. Like, okay. I didn't see it being a thing. Um, and I think well, one of the reasons... What was the game trying to do? Can you describe it for us briefly? I just, I couldn't, I, it, it was some of the abilities of some of the characters. It was, it was very much it was, this. It was MOBA based, know, right? It, I mean, the game essentially is, I mean, hmm. I <laughs> you can't even describe it as a bad sign. Hold on. I'll look this up. <laughs> it, well, the problem is, is different game modes. And back then when it ah. started, it was very much a death match game. And then it changed into Heart of the Hives, which, which was what the game mode was in the end. So Heart of the Hives, which is what it was. It's basically where you destroy a big hive and whoever claims the heart gets the point and you're supposed to get best of three. Uh-huh. Um, best of five, sorry. So it's like whoever got to three hearts or whatever mm-hmm. um, won, the get, won that game in a series of whatever, how many ever games you're having. Um, and the way you would do it is, you, this was the MOBA part, you would level up throughout the okay. match by getting kills on players, like destroying PvE, mobs and by getting you know harvesting different things depending on what the game mode was what the mechanics were in the map at the time like you know picking up harvesters and gaining essence and essence was xp essentially um Mm -hmm. and you were trying to get ahead on level and just in power and then you turn to try and take the team fights and you would you know essentially snowball into a place where you know you just get the hearts by you know killing the, the enemy team and killing the um the hive as well so it was it was a very that was they realized that their game winning game mode way too late um mm. pretty much as they were launching that was their game mode that they they were trying to push um and there were two other game modes which were pairs like kind of battle royale last to survive kind of duos okay um and there was also a free fr- no a two huge team just Royal Rumble, basically, almost to a, to a degree. It was just everyone was running around killing the other team members, but there like was team just so match? many people okay. everywhere. It was it was like team deathmatch, basically, and whoever had the points, the most points at the end would win. So it was a very casual and fun yeah, mode. Sure. And then in the end, they just got rid of it, all of it and just had the heart of the hive. So you huh. essentially got rid of a lot of players, um, which was really, you know which is a big decision and it came out i think the same time as Val- valorant and Ooh, did it uh yeah and uh also some other games i think they you know some other bits and bobs were coming out around that time. yeah you're right it, valorant came out one month actually yep. like two weeks after crucible mm-hmm. and that came out very ready to go yep and i mean it's you know Who's it by? <laughs> it's a completely yeah. different by a company that's established in the gaming industry. And yeah. Amazon's just had this, you know, breakaway, which didn't even get, which was just like, I'm not even sure what they were thinking about that one. In all honesty, very, very niche basketball PvP game with centurions. And well, it was fucking random. It was fun, but it was very odd. Um, I looked at some, some footage about breakaway and I couldn't get a sense of what it was trying to do. It was, I, I made, I had a video and I played the alpha and the beta yeah. a fair bit, but like, it was basically like, it was, <laughs> it was essentially the basketball, but just 
with like all these different heroes that you you know where you could kill people and everything else and can do these abilities and create platforms and jump off them the game was actually quite fun uh-huh. but um it it was very niche it was very much like you know yeah who is this game for do you know what i mean whereas crucible yes. was getting to the closer to a to a place where you know it was interacting with different people like people like in third person kind of moba but also it wasn't really a moba at all it's just about you know leveling up and xp and farming pve mobs to a degree which was like a moba but then that's still not really a moba because you're killing one thing and uh-huh. both teams are just pl- fighting over this one objective so it's very confused in its own identity of a game which is annoying because, you know, when bands go out there and they talk about themselves and the genre that they are, but in a way they don't like always... Because I used to be in a band when I was younger. Okay. Um, that was another thing I did. Played on stage in front of people. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to ask any questions. I don't dare. I used to be a bassist. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Played on the same stage as Iron Maiden and uh, Led Zeppelin in a place called the St. Moritz Club in London. It's great. Oh, that's that's um, cool, man. That was when they were very young, obviously, and just starting out in the tiny holes in London anyway. Yeah, it's quite so cool. cool when you see all this, p- these pictures and portraits on the wall of these bands that you love. Mm-hmm. And you're like, whoa, they played here. They probably like, you know, puked over there. And yeah, stuff. Yeah. And it's like no bigger than my <laughs> studio apartment. Um, <laughs> you know, shit. Oh. Um, anyway, back to the conversation. Um, I just thought I'd add that. So we're talking about it. Um, <laughs> I don't get to do this that much. Um... So Crucible, uh, yeah, so the game, I, I don't feel like it was ready. I actually connected to the game much later in the process. Um, and I think the reason why uh, Colin and Josh got me in as well is because they thought, knew I wouldn't bullshit them. Ah. And I don't think they ever expected me to say what I said about the game or that I wouldn't connect about it, mm-hmm. um, connect to it. But that's for the, some reason... That's the like, feedback that, that you gave that you weren't connecting with it. You didn't know what it, what it was trying to do. I didn't really know what it was. Actually, yeah. I've, I actually said that to them as well. Like, it was just a feeling. Um, again, sometimes with my language, I'm not very technical in, in a lot of what I say. It's just sometimes it's a lot about my feeling about a thing. And then yeah. I'm, like, trying to grasp hold of it. And it wasn't necessarily... It was, like, the game mode. And it, it turned out, you know, that that feeling essentially was their feeling maybe being projected onto me, I think, actually, of them not knowing what the fuck their product was. <laughs> That they wanted to put out okay. because i think that's how what they were because you know what when they were even up to release they weren't even sure mm-hmm. what it was that was their main game game mode where the community that they had did and they were trying to push this and i think they did as well and eventually they put out the right mode it just wasn't ready that in hive terms mode? of a few different things sorry the hive mode you, you mentioned earlier yeah the one? hive the heart of the hive mode yeah which okay. is very good um and i had I casted, I think, all the tournaments are on Twitch. Um, let me look at this. Yeah, so they, I casted those religiously. Um, there's at least, and we did this in partnership with um, the Rivals peeps who do a lot of uh, Rocket League, big, uh, high-end Rocket League stuff okay. as well. Okay. Um, and I did at least, got at least at least 10, maybe? It went on for a while. And they were paid tournaments, you know. They, the players got paid money, the winnings. You know, Amazon invested in this. Um, and I got different casters on each week. Um, and I, I can link one in the chat, actually. Just so, I mean, everyone's here from my community. They know they were there, probably. Um, but, like, 
they were the game was so fun to cast it was so enjoyable and it was the community got so got very small but it was so awesome to 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 cast to play it it had its it had its issues like a lot of games did but it came got to a place where it's very is before its time um and the shame the problem is is that again the big wigs the people at the top have no idea and, and amazon potentially not having much of an idea of what they had they just wanted to put that shit out there and they learned from that and now new world is in a place thankfully where they're allowed to keep delaying it to the opposite right. end of the spectrum where now they they're able to just delay and understand that this is almost their last thing that's it's not the last thing because obviously we know there's other things like that being published like lost ark and there's you know the other bits and pieces that are out there there's sci-fi mmo or whatever that is um not lord of the rings i guess anymore unfortunately no but um, to most people this is amazon's last chance like they they asked the for most people yeah they asked us for a lot of hype with an excitement mm. with crucible with breakaway with new world they, they announced them all at once um you know i i remember looking back um uh, you know i've obviously seen your casts um when potato yeah. is very, very most successful guild wars 2 dedicated guild wars 2 youtuber probably he he did a, a a few videos all about this stuff even before we knew anything because he was excited yeah. about it and i mean part of that was the arena then alumni of course but yeah i mean lots to do with that you ask people when you ask people to get excited for your stuff there's a a trust that's that's that, that's implied there and when you and when you when one game just fades away you know break away crucible yeah. heartbreakingly for some for many just like you know taken out back and shot yeah and now new world people see it as as the last kind of gasp of this 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 intention that's been out there in the public since 2016 from amazon and it, it, it is interesting, and I, I wondered if if you would you you would draw that connection between Crucible being put out too soon and then pulled back, and New World and its series of seemingly endless delays. Yeah, which I'm fine with, by the way. Just in oh. case anyone thinks that I'm not fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I think any game that I I think that any game that avoid uh, I think any game company game game dev company that is trying to avoid one crunch for a start and two wanting to put out a product that feels finished to their the standards that they would like to put out there uh, is a very valuable and important thing to have i think you know at the moment all gaming companies should take advantage of um it's gonna sound awful take advantage of of covid and the excuse of being able to put their game out late because of covid like mm-hmm. if that's what you need to legitimize you the fact that you need to put that game out late because it's mm-hmm. not ready and you don't want to work people over ho- overwork people just do that mm-hmm. or hey just say the fucking truth because at the end of the day i think a lot more people are actually going to forgive you for putting something out later that is going to be better and like people talk about this a lot and again that actually could be my own little bubble that talks about that. And outside of that, it's actually many people just crying their eyes out. And that's a bigger community yeah. of people, which is very, very, very plausible. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I think there's an interesting calculus about releasing, making these decisions. And the thing is, we don't get to see it, right? All we get to yeah. see are the results. We don't get to see the work. We, we don't get to, see, to, to ask publishers to show their work in terms of why they decided to publish when they did. Um, yeah. You know, like I look at it Arena makes or breaks that, games. What's that? Makes or breaks games. The the decision. I mean, you know, it happened with Crucible. 
Yeah, Crucible. I mean, other very famous examples. I think of Cyberpunk. Um, yeah, huge example. That that no gives a fuck about that game. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> really and it's, inc- it, it's incredible how the cultural. Um, um, they still care more about The Witcher. Validity. Uh, um, sorry, how, how how should I say this? Um, how CDPR has fallen from being this this, this golden child of of, ga- of game studios suddenly just being one more one more crappy gaming publisher one more game studio doing doing dumb stuff but they did anti-gamer. a lot of bad stuff to be fair the 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 crunch was bad there's actually some poor really poor representation of different communities in their game as well which was not cool i actually was very excited about cyberpunk but i will not play on stream for that very reason the representation stuff or for the crunch or all yeah of for representation there's different communities okay. have come out people from lgbtqi plus community here are just not happy with how they've been re- like different identities have been represented in oh interesting game. i didn't know about that i mean i i've only played the opening couple of hours yeah. so and there's like very like toxic masculinity like parts and i understand like in films and tv and movies and stuff that this kind of behavior is just the behavior of people in movies and stories but it can still be done in a way which is not shitty um when you have control over this stuff it's just like yeah there's some uh there's some there's some pretty bad representation in that game but okay yeah, interesting. You know, and that transfers been... to you know people playing it and just that unconscious kind of feeling of that's not cool and yeah yeah, yeah. interesting right i was i was talking <laughs> that conversation with... can lead down the hole <laughs> No, it, totally. I was talking with, um, I think it was with Tom Abernathy. I think is who it was. Studio narrative director yeah. of the Radio Net. Um, yeah. About why representation is important. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where, um, yeah, he actually told me, um, uh, you know, when, when a young person who doesn't yet know that, that they're, they're that, that, let me try to think of how to say this. Children see and know a lot. Yep. And we learn the signals about what is acceptable in our culture from the things we absorb growing up from our parents, from the media, all this stuff. Mm. That's why. Society, yeah. that, that's why when I was growing up, my parents didn't want, didn't want me to watch MTV. You know, <laughs> shit like that. Uh, <laughs> God, that's funny. I just remembered that. Um, it wasn't the music they wanted you to listen to, maybe as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I think maybe they got they, they, they aired in the wrong direction on that one. Um, uh, but, um, and having, having people represented in media that look like us and look like people who we love and who we related to and who we grow up with and who we go to school with and who we, who we see who live nearby us. Seeing that is, um, turns out to be pretty important at a broad cultural level. And, um, you know, a, a a big part of why why we all accept the idea that that the the white man is kind of um, demographically a symbol of cultural dominance, and yeah. why an improper um, use of that um, is is considered awful and toxic, rightfully so. A big reason why people can point to that is because you look at the at, at representation in media, and yeah. if you want if you want to show show someone who is like the boss, who do you show? Oh, you show show up an old white dude, you know, behind a desk, something like that. Like that's the symbol. Now the tough thing is where. Oh my God, we're going back into this. <sighs> let's talk. Let's talk about 
Crystal, no, sorry. I need to respect the fact that you uh, you you got other <laughs> other places to be. So rewind the conversation about half an hour if you want to hear more about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, we could be here for a while. Uh, like, like, yeah, yeah. We, we should. I think we should talk again, maybe. But um, oh, we can talk again. I don't mind that. So putting the bow on Crucible. Um, <laughs> so. You were connecting it to New World. Um, maybe I could ask you for your 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 thoughts on New World. Did you play it Funnily during the beta? Enough, I'm a creator for New World as well. <laughs> of course, of course, connected. <laughs> I was involved very early with New World as well, actually. Yeah. What do you think Guess about? Is the arena that people? That's that is so cool, man. That is actually yeah, so cool. Other peeps. So, I went to Amazon Gaming Studios. Um, Actually, a bog I went, uh, Dot Got Game, if you know Dot Got Game. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, someone called Loco and uh, Tracy Cola, who are uh, quite um, big peeps as well, mm -hmm. and uh, Hutnik. Now, I was the, probably the smallest, smaller of the creators that were there, um, but Josh put me, put me forward as one of the peeps uh, to go along, and I think probably Bog and probably Dot Got Game as well. Cool. Um, back when it was just a survival game. Um, and it was nothing to it, <laughs> essentially. Um, this was probably 2018, maybe, uh -huh. maybe 17, maybe 18. I can't remember when, which year it was. It, there's a tweet somewhere on, on Twitter about me going to Amazon Game Studios. Okay. Um, I'm smaller, you know, I'm not in as in with them anymore, but like I, I went to TwitchCon, had dinner with them, met all the devs, the game director, all the peeps. Um, cool. They remember me, thankfully, <laughs> just about. Um, You're a memorable dude. I, sorry? You're a memorable dude. Well, for some reasons. Um, that flipping rambler. Good Lord, get rid of him. Uh, <laughs> nah. So you were, you were connected in uh, uh, pretty early. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Along I the new world. The alpha, though. Okay. Other than being there, I played the, I played the alpha for a tiny bit, but I wanted to get in on the betas and give my give my real reactions to what was going on um, and where it was the different stages. I don't get involved in many alphas, in all honesty, because I don't have the fucking time. Yeah, there's time to <laughs> for a start. Mm -hmm. um, school and this and you know that doesn't. Then then maybe one day I'll have a social life, but like. I really, I really enjoyed the last, the beta before this one. I really fucking enjoyed the it. One, uh, like, the one, it was the, like the public August. test last year in August, twenty twenty. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That Love was that. my first chance um, to play the game. Yeah, that was like the first taste of the game. It is that it was going to become essentially. Yeah. Okay. Um, where they had, and then it was like it's got a lot of this kind of stuff. But it's very repetitive questing. It's very repetitive systems. What are you going to do for the when you get past this? And essentially, what is the different experience that you're having as you level up through this game? Uh -huh. Because essentially, you're fighting the same mob over and over and over again uh -huh. all the time. In yep. but the area looks different and is beautiful, and your combat is pretty good and fun. But what is the what's the end game? What's going on? And then you know, obviously, then they added dungeons. Um, mm -hmm. They've added all this extra stuff, mm -hmm. which is really really cool. But mm -hmm. then again, there's still some a lot of the systems which I feel like they're 
I'm massively hyped for this game and our community is as well. And we're going to play to death. It's going to be my other main game along with Guild Wars 2. Uh-huh. I'm going to make guides for it. I'm going ham in this game. Oh, hell yeah, I'm brother. Just going to. I love it. Um, yeah. And it's like we play the, the first dungeons. I actually think that most of the people here are probably in that group as well. Um, I loved it. Some of the combat with some of the weapons is a little, little less. Some of it is quite fluid. Some of it is not so fluid. Yeah. Um, the newer weapons actually feel a lot better than the older weapons that have not been touched. It feels. Like. I noticed that. Great axe feels great, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like there's some real fluidity there. The the rapier stuff feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, sword shield kind of feels okay. The axe feels a little bit better with a rework. The rifle feels a bit clunky. Yeah. In terms of not the not the snipery kind of side of it, but the more trap the trapper slash yeah, the trapper just feels not gonna lie, it's pretty shit. <laughs> like it's just not good. Uh-huh. And the feedback is just dump it and bring something else in or just adjust those traps. Cause when I when you throw a grenade, it shouldn't be as if a three-year-old child is throwing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And as if it's got no movement, because you kind of throw it on the floor and it just sticks there and it's weird. <laughs> uh, the, the, do you know what I mean? It just feels it just uh-huh. feels hard. And I was like, yeah. make it more of an engineer, like Guild Wars 2 kind of thing, if you want to do that. Mm. Um, but the ice gauntlet's great. I really love that. I like the heal um, stuff. I think that's cool. The I think that the fact that you can't use those three weapons anymore together and have that ridiculous dash on the heal stuff is good. Whoa! <laughs> Yeah. So please clip So please clip I, I love the little like like please do that again. <laughs> oh you I don't know if I can duplicate it. But it's like It's just so many fucking random words in that game. And, like, I know when you're healing, I, it's noise, like, I love all the things people was, yell. It makes no sense. Oh, what was the word I kept saying when with the um, heal stuff? It was um, like Seychelles or something. I can't remember what it was, but it kept saying that every time. Um, I can't remember. It sounded like something else or another place or like a place. I can't remember what it was, mm-hmm. but it just every time I said something like the language, it was its own thing. You know, it's yeah. very awesome in that way um, because it gives you that sense of separation. Now, the interesting thing about New World is, which probably a lot of people don't talk about, is how they are trying to make sure that they um, are correct in terms of how they are talking about um, different identities and uh, cultures, mm-hmm. which is a really good thing to see, actually, from Amazon Games specifically. Um, they are very culturally... They're, they're trying to be culturally aware because the game was originally meant to be a very much... I feel like it was going to be about, like, you know, going over to America and the indigenous people of America and, you know, what what was happening, you know, obviously with the whole forming of America and America being yeah. the country that this country is and how it was only a country before, you know, when, you know, the white people of the people of the West came over to America and, and created this place. 
but you know they i did well and they changed the story of their game and um they're still trying to make sure that they're culturally respectful and um yeah yeah i don't know they, they seem to be doing good work there actually that's something okay. i'm impressed by very much so which has gotten me more on board with it you know mm. yeah i remember when i read that that there had been a massive change to pivot away from the the foes you face in Eternum being or or whatever the content was going to be called right being like these native these the, yeah. these native humans and it's like or or humanoids whatever and yeah, it's like being like from tribes that how, are indigenous you know and I, I don't know maybe it's just the the you know hindsight's twenty twenty but thinking about that it's like wow like I could have caught that from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, can't do yeah. that. Uh, it's people, not gonna work. People still do it in games. They're still doing so many games that come out. You know, like any games. Like there's some kind of you know reference to a tribe or like someone's bad. You're doing a quest, and that these people are bad. The bad people are holding stuff, or they're doing this kind, that, the other. It's like you know, make it the white people. If anything, like do you know, or make it some creature that's just you know completely different. Like change. The fucking envelope, like yeah, change the, the story, the Star the Trek formula, you know? right? Sorry, that's the Star Trek formula. That's what Star Trek was was kind of about when it first came out. It was about yeah. talking about well, not every episode of Star Trek, but it's about finding ways to talk about cultural issues by giving us some separation from it by making it about Absolutely. you know Romulans and Klingons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I or mean, yeah, it's Angry Earth well. and skeletons, or I don't know. Mm. They they yeah. don't seem to have much personality, so I'm I'm not sure if that still works. But <laughs> it's important. Am I it's a Trekkie? Important. I love Star Trek. Yes. Yeah, I'm a pretty big Trekkie actually. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you went nuts when you when they had it in the Mopop in the Seattle Star Trek exhibition. I don't know if you ever went. No, no. In fact, I I'm I'm not. I've always been shy about going to like gatherings like fandom gatherings always have been oh this was more of an exhibition i guess than a than a like fandom thing yeah still i don't know i went to one of those in london i have this like deep sense of internalized shame from growing up that i should be Uh, hiding these things (laughs) going to those things brings up yeah that's fair enough i mean like i'm shaking it though i'm here on stream after all oh they're awesome to go so i went i i get you there i went to the one in london i met Chekhov. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was very awesome. I got an uh, autograph, it's still an autograph picture in London, still somewhere in a box. That's cool. <laughs> Met him very frail and it's very elderly, but he was still, he was still very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I would, uh, I love Star Trek. I grew up on that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Star Trek, man. Well, hey, Jebro, I want to, I want to respect the boundaries you suggested earlier and let you off the hook for the night. Okay. <laughs> this, has been, this has been an awesome conversation. We've been for so long, dude. It's clear we could go all night. Is there <clears> anything <throat> else that you want to ask me? Just like, of course. Than, um, but none of it's case, like, none, none of it's like quick or easy. It's like, okay, yeah, that's true. Leave it for another time, perhaps. Um, but Jerry, I, I want to give you a chance for people who are going to watch this after the fact or here watching live to let folks know where to find you and uh, promote anything you're working on. Uh, also, the reason I'm chewing on this stick. These uh, things all night is because I gave up vaping. So oh. <laughs> I used to smoke for a long time. So this is my uh, thing, and Reader Geek is the one to blame for that because it's actually helped a lot. But now I'm addicted to uh, tea tree oil um, sticks. Sorry, that's cool. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Twitch. <laughs> 
to cool. help it. It's better than flipping smoking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash jebrounity, J-E-B-R-O-U-N-I-T-Y. I do a podcast, which is now going to be weekly. Um, Lightbringers. The Lightbringers. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Very good. Very good, wholesome people on there. We have a awesome creators. It's become a little bit more regular with the peeps we have on there on the moment, but trying to open it up and just... Now we're changing it to more of a gameplay each on every other week. So there's not necessarily an audio episode every week, but like we're going to play through the game and talk about the game as we, because I feel like a lot of stuff doesn't come out up until you start playing it with people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got YouTube, uh, Twitch stream, which I do, you know, pretty regularly uh, is my full-time job. And I have an Instagram and all the Twitter and everything else. It's just Jebro Unity or Jebro Guild Wars 2. Look me mm-hmm. up, you'll see me. I stream and do loads of stuff though. So it's it's a very big, wide variety of things. And uh, we have an awesome community, a very welcoming uh, and inclusive people that identify with many different communities. So everyone is welcome. And the only thing that's not welcome is disrespect and ourselves. So there you go. <laughs> okay. And coming up for you, I know... New world is on the horizon. Also, sounds yeah. like you have a, a new chapter in your counseling life coming up. Yeah, internship stuff. Uh, so I'm going to be counseling kids and adolescents come the toward the end of September. All right, opening that next door. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. As for Excellent. me, I'm I'm Deke. I'm going to be rebranding my social media shortly, so they all have the same word TBD on that. But if you're watching <laughs> this, you've already found me. I'm on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Patreon now. Check it out. Nice. Links around here. Thank you, Jebro. Thank you, everyone who could turn out. Thank you for everyone who's watching this after the fact. I love all of y'all. This is the real shit, I believe, needs a place to be discussed. Um, and I'm happy we were able to really make some room for that today. So thank you, Jebro. Damn, great. I appreciate it. All right. Till next time, y'all. Have a good one.